right, guys, welcome. Thank you for tuning in on Tuesdays. Um, this will be the new time slot, so we're going to give it a minute or so to see who's all in here, and then we'll get started. Um, but, yeah, appreciate you guys coming in. Yeah, for sure. And remember, anyone watching this, smash that like button. It helps us so much. Y'all y'all don't understand how much it helps, and, like, it takes half a second. And people have been doing it a lot lately, so that's been really, really helpful. Um, I see some people already in the chat. What's up, Bob Dawson? I see some zombies. That's a tough one to say. Zombies in the chat. Um, see another like. Thank you guys. Yeah, appreciate it. What is up? All right, got eleven people in here now. Appreciate it. Uh, why the change? Um, this week is the NFL draft. And then after that, next um, week is the beginning of Dark Side of the Ring. And if you looked at that lineup, like it's really impressive. So I I don't want to compete with Dark Side of the Ring. I don't want to be on at the same time Dark Side of the Ring's on. So I just figured it would be a good way to change. Um, plus, I feel like Tuesdays allows us to – or at least allows me to be able to cover something besides just doing live chats where I can just do videos of different news topics that pop up. And then we can talk about it later on in the chat. So when you're doing it on Thursday, your week is pretty much already covered. So I feel like Tuesdays is just a better time slot in general. So it might take a little bit to get used to, but um, I think overall it'll work. Yeah, for sure. Michael Young or Young, not sure how to pronounce that. Welcome to the chat. Appreciate it. Um, we can. Like, basically, uh, I would like to know, like, who your team is and what what guys you want, who you're looking at, things like that. Sounds like to me, Stephen, that y'all are going to get Elijah Vera Tucker. He's the guard from USC. I see that one a lot. I've been seeing that as well. Him and there was one other name at O-line. I can't remember, but I, that, those were like, I'm seeing that. And then I'm seeing like potentially later in the draft, it might be Wake Forest quarterback that they're saying like, maybe we'll pick up late if he's available types. I don't know who he is, but that's just like what I've been seeing. Um, so, I mean, that's my big thing for the Vikings. I've been saying it all off season, like, offensive line just get whoever you can the best the best people available if you have to trade draft picks to get established o-linemen i don't care like we got to win this year or else they're gutting the entire team so uh make it happen but uh yeah there's there's honestly there's a there's a pretty good depth there that you can definitely get one and the way that the quarterbacks are gonna go I mean, a lot of a lot of good offensive linemen could slip through the cracks and fall to you at 14 so you uh you could be in good shape there. That'd be nice. I'm also hearing that it's a really deep wide receiver class. So like the Vi- you know, the Vikings have obviously they got their two studs with Thielen and uh Jefferson. So if there's someone available, you know, I think we have two third round picks or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. I I'd, I'd you know, if there's a good enough kind of like last year, like they didn't expect to get Jefferson. They didn't expect it to be there. And when he was, they snatched him. So if they have another situation like that to get another weapon for cousins, I'd be okay with that too. But they need to get a line first priority. And then after that, maybe, maybe a good wide receiver if there's any out there. Michael, you want to trade with us and give us next year's first, and you can move from 15 to 10 to possibly get 
the last quarterback on the board. Because we want a corner. Like, it's no secret. That's what we want. And it's either Patrick Sertan or J.C. Horn. Um, if if you're watching the draft on Thursday and Sertan or Horn get picked before 10, just know I'm pissed. And if you see that they're both gone, then know I'm really pissed. Uh, but we're still going to get a good player. Like, you can't be upset when you're picking at 10. Right. You know what I mean? Like, if, if you're at 10 at the end of the day, you're going to get a good player. Yeah, for sure. I think the Vikings were at like 15 or something like that, give or take. So, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm still looking forward to the football starting again, like, but it's still not until September, really. So, but at least we have a little taste of it with like the draft and starting Man, to talk once, about once it. Once the draft, though, goes and your team starts to be built and then training camp will start like around June-ish and then not training camp, but like OTAs or whatever, start around June-ish and then bam, like... You come August, you're you're in preseason mode, so it's not too far away. It's crazy that this year is almost halfway gone by already. Yeah, it really is. So there's been a lot that's happened. Um, yeah, you know, I I could go about the draft all day, so I'm going to try not to get too sidetracked. But if you guys definitely want to have draft draft questions or anything. Um, send them in and I'll see if I can answer them for you or not. Um, and if you send a super chat, we'll 100% answer it. So yeah, if it's super chat, we'll, we'll, we'll break what we're doing and we'll, we'll answer it. Um, so I guess, what do you want to get? You want to get into the UFC? Yeah. So for anyone listening right now, I'm going to be putting, I always put all the audio of all of our conversations on my fight talk podcast audio feed, but what we're going to do for the UFC portion of this is, I'm actually going to clip it as its own episode. So we're going to try not to get sidetracked from UFC, just like to get those thoughts out there so I can use it for my show. And then after that, like we'll probably go all over the place. Um, what you got there? Yeah. Eagles question. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's just what he wants. Gotcha. Oh, by the way, before we get started on UFC, I looked into that whole, what that Eagles fan, the fat Eagles fan? Oh, EDP. Yeah. EDP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he he, he like admitted it all. Like, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. I couldn't believe. I don't want to sit here and talk about that, but it, but I I know what you're talking about now. I like watched multiple like videos of like YouTubers breaking it down and showing the footage and all that stuff, and like he is one billion percent guilty of that stuff. Yeah. So there's um, like no secret about it. Probably should go to jail. Um, <laughs> I mean. The only, the only hope he has, though, is it's California, and they're weird. So, like, I don't, I don't know what all their rules are or what on that. Um, but whatever. Like, I hope, I hope that uh, justice is served and we can move on. Dude, if that would have happened anywhere where I've lived, like, you're going to jail for sure. Like, <laughs> for sure. like unquestionably. For um, sure. But, anyways, yeah, that was wild. I had no idea about that, and then like. I started kind of paying attention on YouTube and just realized like all over my feed was stuff about that guy. And I was like, I just somehow had missed it. And it was like, yeah, that's a humongous story. So anyways, yeah, I know all about that now. (laughs) So um, when it comes to the UFC, uh, man, like I've been dying for crowds to come back. Like, at the end of the day, like, I just wanted to get back to some sense of normal. But, like, I can't under, I can't, I can't overstate how much they mean 
to be back. Like just the energy, the pops, the 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 excitement. It was just amazing. Um, and what I did personally is I didn't watch any of the prelims because what I, I was going to go to Bill's. And um, the funny thing about that too is it was like Bill just hit me up. Like, I don't know if it was like Thursday, Friday and like, Hey man, if you know, if I got the pay-per-view, would you come over? And I was like, absolutely. So he decided to get the pay-per-view and I mean, Bill hasn't gotten a pay, a UFC pay-per-view in like four or five years. I mean, a long time. And so, uh, I'm coming over there and like, I decided I didn't want to watch any of the prelims because I didn't want that feeling of when I first hear it to be spoiled. You know what I mean? So I go over there and like I hear them and it's just it's just it felt amazing. And then the fun part about it, too, was I was able to explain all the storylines and like who should win and like why and who this person is and why this fight is intriguing to Bill because he had no clue about any of it. So um, it was it was really cool experience. Uh, It brought me back to the old days where we used to watch fights and stuff. So. I, I had a really good time. He had a really good time. He was buzzing after the show. Like I could tell that it, he definitely got bit by the bug. Um, and so the first fight with Anthony Smith, I loved his entrance. Anthony said he just had this big smile on his face. He's normally very chilly. He had this big smile on his face. He turns around the crowd. He looks up. He's got his arms out, big smiles, Um you could just tell that it meant a lot. He's pumping his chest. Let's go. Like you could tell it meant a lot to him to be back in front of crowds. And, uh, he, his jab looked really good. He looked impressive and he hit him with that leg kick. And then, I mean, dude, just like drop foot, dead leg, like at the exact results of what you see on those calf kicks, things like that. And I was just like, Wow, like I was surprised it ended. You know, Bill's like, "Oh, let it go." He he wants to fight, but I'm like, "Dude, he can't stand." And then, like, as soon as they called it, he falls down again just to like punch the cage. And I don't know, how do you feel about this, Stephen? Because it's like, are we going to get to a point where like they completely figure this thing out, and like a kick is just going to end fights immediately? Dude, that's a good question because I was actually thinking about that also. Because, like, in the UFC video games, like, for years, I've always, like, I spam leg kicks on people all the time, like, that I can't just straight up beat. So I want to start kicking them in the legs. But it takes, like, 100 leg kicks to put somebody down. And I've always felt like, you know, if, like, I I was, uh, Joe Rogan talked about it a lot on commentary over the years about how people don't utilize that, that front leg kick enough, especially when people are, especially for fighters like Connor. Who put their so much weight on their front leg when you're chopping away at that? It just, you know, we saw what happened with Connor and Poirier in their rematch and stuff. And yeah, man, it, it's the I I couldn't like right when Jimmy Crute, right when I could tell he got hit and he was hurt and he it looked like he had a dead leg. I had to look away from the screen, like I was kind of watching <laughs> through one eye or one thing, like through my fingers, because I I like that's what. I've seen, I've seen so many brutal injuries, and we're going to get to another one here in a second. Oh, but like, absolutely. But, like, I can't – that's one of the hardest things for me to look at is knowing somebody who's going to just – like, it was inevitable that he was just going to roll his ankle or his tear his ACL yeah. or something and just fall down, and that's just so much worse. You always think of, like, totally different circumstances, but you think of, like, 
Sid Vicious jumping off the top and stuff. Just the way like his his foot crumbled under his leg and all. It's just that's what I always think about. It. It's like worst case scenario, and I couldn't look at it. And also just just to mention, I we had talked a little bit beforehand about the prelims, like before we went live. I forgot that I did watch the first two fights of the show, and they were like two of the best fights of the year. So like the yeah, fans, I heard they're really good. The fans in attendance were like they they could have like hit that peak early and kind of petered out throughout the show. And they kept that intensity from fight one all the way through the main event, which I thought was awesome. But, uh, but yeah, yeah to answer your question, dude, I think we're going to see more and more people utilizing the, the leg kicks. Um, Cause why wouldn't you? Unless, unless you, I mean the Chris Weidman situation, which we'll talk about, maybe, maybe that'll maybe keep people from throwing them as hard. Um, I don't know. Well, let's talk about it. I mean, it's a good win for Anthony Smith, by the way. Yeah, I thought he looked good. I thought he really did. I thought he's uh, improved, and I'm definitely looking forward to his next fight. He's such a he doesn't he doesn't sound or come across like the guy that you like if you looked at him just on paper. Like he's extremely intelligent guy. He's very well spoken. Like he's a he's a cool guy. I like Anthony Smith. Me too. And it was good to see him get this win because, you know, his last one is, was against uh, Devin. Was it Devin Smith? I, I, let me just double check his last name so I don't get it wrong. Devin Clark. I'm sorry. Um, he beat Devin Clark in his last one. And, like, he really needed that win because he had lost, yep. you know, multiple fights. But to, like, the best guys in the division, it was the Sheridan right. Jones, right? And yep. maybe Santos in there. I think there was another one in there somewhere. Just for the record, let me just... Uh oh yeah okay yeah it was Jones to share and uh, Rockage was the other one yeah yeah Rockage there you go so like this win over Jimmy Crute Jimmy Crute's legit I think he was ranked like 13th or something coming into this and Smith was I think at number six so Smith holds his position and he'll continue to fight top ten guys maybe shouldn't be fighting the top five guys right now because like the positions they're all in but yeah. you know number seven through ten they'll line him up for for Anthony Smith I think he sells a lot to uh, to contribute. Well, and like you said, they all pay him the same, so he doesn't care who it is. So yeah. it's like, well, it's a good attitude to have. Um, okay, I'm going to be controversial with the Weidman thing. Like, I know I am. Um, you will find no pity party from me. Like, at the end of the day, this happened exactly to Anderson Silva, and the guy put his arms up in the air and celebrated like he had just – destroyed Anderson on his own merit. And then he tried to defend in the post fight that the, uh, the check kick or the check uh, from his kick from Anderson's kick that happened. Like he, he basically said like, that's his, he did that and he deserves the win. And did he ever once like talk about giving Anderson another fight? Did he ever, um, basically treat that like it was a freak accident and that like no he didn't he he Uriah Hall handled that completely differently than Chris Weidman so when I saw it happen to Weidman I immediately thought MMA karma like I just at the end of the day like you live by the gun you die by the gun and it's I do think it's crazy that the only couple of times that we've seen this I know we saw it with Corey Dillon as well but they both happened with Chris Weidman. And then, like, um, Weidman was the first guy to beat Anderson, and, like, Uriah was the last. Like, it's crazy how that kind of parallel, but it was a brutal injury. But, like, at the end of the day, like, it's hard to feel sorry for a guy that literally celebrated when it happened 
to his opponent. So that that's why I feel about it. Yeah, I get, I get where you're coming from, and I, I think there's a lot of people that that agree. And I like I like I said, I totally get it. I I mean, I do feel bad for Wyman because I don't want to see that happen to anybody. Like that's such a brutal injury. Like that's I mean, I didn't even want to see the still frames of it, but I it was unmissable through Twitter. Like so many people were posting it. What's brutal to me is it's not necessarily the break. It's when they back up and they try to stand on yes. it and fall on a broken foot, leg, whatever it is. Like that's when it's disgusting. Yeah, yeah. I told that's the same thing. That's like why I couldn't keep watching the Jimmy Crew fight for that exact reason. Because I know he's yeah. trying to put his weight on that and I know yes. it's not gonna hold up. Um right. you know, we saw it happen with Sean O'Malley against Andre Sukumtov also in a fight that that uh that O'Malley wound up winning because Sukumtov wouldn't just stand up off the ground. It was that was a bizarre thing too. But but dude, yeah, I, I feel it's the thing the really the big takeaway with the Weidman Hall thing is like you said, it's just so it's the chances are just so insanely unlikely that something like this could happen. And I don't believe in like real karma, like that, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like I don't believe yeah. this was directly anything like that, but like the chances of this happening are just insane like I mean, basically impossible. And yeah. and it happened. So um, you know, now to Chris Weidman's defense, like I he has said in, you know, since that Anderson Silva lot or when that, you know, he didn't know how bad it was until after he celebrated and he went and he looked and he was like, that's when it like the shock set in. He didn't realize it initially. And also to your point with like the rematch, like I don't think he really owed Anderson Silva another fight, to be honest. Like he decisively beat him the first time. People can say he was, he was clowning in the ring, which he was, but right. that was on Anderson. And Weidman did check the kick. I mean, at the end of the day, it was a technique that he used. The, the Weidman and the Weidman and Uriah Hall one is even stranger because Uriah First Hall strike. didn't look and he didn't look like he even checked the kick really. Like yeah. Weidman hit him and he hit him right in the meat of his leg. Like it wasn't like a weird placement or anything. Um, and I think what Conor McGregor had tweeted out was something along the lines of, and I know Conor wouldn't know for sure, but he was speculating, saying that Weidman must have had some like like minor injuries in his leg that were undiagnosed or something. And it was just the straw that broke the camel's back because that's such right. a, you threw such a standard leg kick that wasn't yeah. checked. So yeah, just a freak accident, man. I hope, I hope my, he doesn't play again. Thing, my biggest thing is, is I, if it ends his career, then I think that that's unfortunate. Um, but I think it could end his career. Yeah. But I just, I just have a hard time like feeling sympathy for someone that I feel like when the when the roles were reversed, he handled it completely differently than Uriah Hall did. And so for that reason, I'm just kind of like, whatever. Um, but I mean, I don't want to see anybody truly get hurt. Like you watch these fights to see a winner and a loser. You don't watch these fights to see limbs get broken and all that stuff. And if you do, then you're a pretty demonic person. Um you know, I remember the Frank Mir, Tim Sylvia broken arm and all that. Like, none of that stuff has ever been like, oh, I'm so glad I ordered the pay-per-view to see that. Like, you don't want freak injuries that take guys out for years. Um, so that part was unfortunate. And honestly, at this point, I'm kind of looking at Bill with three fights left and thinking <laughs> this thing is doomed. Like, yeah. Well, this thing is about to be a dud. We have two freak, freak things that happened in the fight, and now we got title fights coming up. But, man, did the tide turn 
And those title fights were awesome. So Valentina, um, you know, I remember in the chat that we were talking last time and we were talking about how much bigger Valentina is than Andrade. And man, I really thought that that played big time in the fight. Like there were times where Andrade totally got off first to get the takedown and Valentina stopped her dead in her tracks and spun her completely around and then slammed her um, to finish her with the crucifix. And also not only that, she completely changed her style. Like she just went for takedowns and she wasn't really trying to stand with her, even though she was doing fine in the standup. And I just thought that that was a big, um, a big indication that Valentina could just literally do whatever she wanted to to her, and that's exactly what happened. And she finished her with brutal in a brutal crucifixion with elbows, cut her open. I thought honestly the fight went a little too long. I thought they could have stopped it sooner because there was no way Andrade was getting out of there, and it was just punishment to take. But I mean, Valentina looks dominant as ever. Yeah, she really does, and. I was really impressed that she just, I mean, she kind of, it's like she played it smart and played it safe, but like still was going for the finish. Like she, cause she could have went in there and like kickboxed her like she does with so many of her other opponents. Cause she's probably a better overall striker than Andrade is. Andrade has knockout power. Like we've seen that in the past, but like Chuka, or uh, not Chukagan, she knocked out Chukagan. Um, Shevchenko, you know, she could have went in there and tried her luck, and she probably still would have won in kickboxing if it was just straight-up kickboxing, I think, for five rounds. But instead, she was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to go out there. I know I'm a better wrestler. I mean, I mean I, she knows she's a better athlete. So she just goes, she went out there with a great game plan, put her on the ground, was masterful and you know, getting into a position to, hit that, to get into a crucifix. And it, anytime you see that, I always – Good reminder of, of you know Roy Nelson and Kimbo. That that's that position right there. The the crucifix yep. and the the short elbows. And people can get mad about it and go, well, she's not knocked out. But it's like she's getting hit in the head over and over and over with elbows. She's not going to be able to get out of it. There's still minutes left on the clock. It's over. It's the equivalent yeah. of basically getting pinned in a wrestling match. Like you're just you're stuck and you're, you're yeah. not going anywhere. Um, Once you see somebody that dominant, that strong, put you in a crucifix, it's over. You're not getting out. Yeah, for sure. So it's yeah, and and I know we might as well just bring it up now because I'm sure we would have anyways. But I feel like Shevchenko and Nunez—that's the only fight for Shevchenko that's even interesting right now because she's so dominant over everyone at 125. I think Nunez is going to fight, you know, Pena, and then I think I think that. Shevchenko will probably fight somebody else very, you know, just put her on a UFC 200 something, whatever. And uh, on the pay-per-view. And then I think after that, they'll probably discuss that, that fight again, because there's going to be nothing for Amanda and there's going to be nothing for Valentina. So yeah, like destroy Joanne Calderwood or something like that. And then, We'll we'll be right back here discussing. And, and to me, Adraj, listen, you you almost you did beat Rose, and you almost beat Rose again. I think she has a way better chance of becoming a champion if that's what she wants to do at going back to that division than staying where she's at because she had absolutely no chance against Valentina. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree, and I and I think you're right about kind of the 
the time frames. It, it's Nunez and you said Pena. Is it Pena or Pena, Max? Pena. Pena, Juliana Pena. 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 For some reason, I was thinking Jessica Pena. I don't know why that. You know, she, she just came back. That's why. She's been back. Oh. She was gone for like three years off of steroids, and then she just came back and won. Gotcha. Remember, she's the one that got power bombed like, like uh, outsider style. Like they threw her. <laughs> That's so awesome. Yeah. yeah. I love when you see pro wrestling moves actually work in mixed martial arts. That's the oh, best. Rampage power bomb. Never going to forget it. That is. But, but I think you're right about both the kind of trajectories of Jevchenko and, um, and Nunez. Like if, I mean, if Shevchenko wants to take another fight, that's great. I mean, if she doesn't want to and she just wants to wait out until Nunez, you know, has another title defense, I'm, like however they want to figure it out, I'm fine. Um, if she, if Shevchenko wants to stay at 125 and just keep knocking out contender after contender, I'm fine with that. Also, um, it's just she just seems to have no competition at 125. So you know what this kind of reminds me of? It kind of reminds me of Vanderlei and Pride when they just kept fe- feeding him like Japanese stars and he yeah. would just crush them to pieces. Like, that's what it's like right now with Valentina. There's absolutely no competition, and you just feed her to the wolves. Like, you feed, she just destroys every every girl they put in there, and it's not even close. It's a lot like Cyborg when she was kind of in strike force or any of that stuff. Like, um, and what's interesting to me is everyone's like, Amanda's the goat, Amanda's the goat, Amanda's the goat. Like, Valentina's not too far behind that goat status. That's why I think it's really interesting. And I honestly think the UFC marketing is going to be who is the goat. Like that will be the marketing of the third fight. Yeah. Especially because the rematch was a split decision. Like people forget how close that was. And some Um, people think Valentina won. Honest question. And I'm I'm really not saying this to be like, um, like, uh, I'm not saying, I don't know what the word is. I'm not trying to be facetious by asking this. Do you, yeah. do, do you think – because I honestly don't know the answer to this. Like, do you think Valentina could beat a male 125 or, like, not, like, a top-ranked, but, like, like she's yes. that good? I, I do, yes. too. I think I do, too. Yeah. Um, if we're talking, you know, top maybe, like, 50 to – maybe 100 to 150 or something. I mean, it'd have to be kind of up there, but, like, I'd actually be interested in seeing her compete against – a male, like, because she's just so dominant if they could find the right matchup. like It's not only that she's just dominant, she just is very technical, too. Right. She's great. She's technical. She's she's just good. And, and like, she displayed how good she was even on the ground. Like, she she decided to take that into a wrestling match when she had every advantage in striking. So it's just, like, it's extremely impressive. I I think that she's – and she, she really looks like she's only getting better. So yeah, I uh, props to her. Dude, now, I was there live when she knocked out Jessica I, and if she hits that on anybody, it's like out. It doesn't matter who you are. That's fantastic. How loud did that sound? Echo. I mean, it was yeah, yeah it was not. I mean, you just saw her just fall back. I mean, it was. I have like well, the funny thing view. is too is people are watching that right, and and it's like uh, they're not expecting her to win Jessica I to win this at all but I don't think they're expecting that dominant of a KO either and when it happens it's just like oh my god so yeah yeah, it's and what another thing too is like you know like Florida is supposed to be this like red state and all this stuff but yet like here's Valentina a Russian getting this huge Valentina chant Valentina Valentina 
this girl is a star, man. Like people love her. And uh, I, I really don't do think she's getting kind of cocky though. And I'm okay with that. But like, I, I've never heard her confidence as much as she is right now. Well, another thing too, like, cause speaking of her confidence, you know, she does like that dance after she wins her fights. Like I was thinking based on like the last two fights we saw, I was like, don't stop your leg, don't stop your leg, don't stop your leg. That's like all I was thinking, but she's spinning yeah. around in circles. I'm like, we've seen two complete freak accidents already. Like, God. Yeah. And like Dana um, would just get on the press conference and be like, yeah, Valentina will never do that dance in the octagon again. <laughs> <laughs> just like never. Oh, so, man. yeah. And I, I guess we can talk about this next fight, but I do want to bring this up. How annoying – at first I loved it, but how annoying did the F. Jake Paul chance become? <laughs> Honestly, I stopped noticing it, I'm like, to be totally honest. Like, I, saw, I realized it the first time it happened and all the bit, yep. all the ruckus. With the, I saw the videos of Daniel Cormier you know, up face-to-face with him and all that stuff. But yep. after that, I really didn't notice it, to be honest. I was just like – and I had some friends over for the fight, so we're, you know, just hanging out. and we'll Right, right. So, but – uh. I mean, but to be honest, the only thing that bothers me about any of that is that the MMA can I mean, it's almost like the MMA community squeezes the toothpaste and they can't get it back in the tube. Because, like, we just yeah. shouldn't we just shouldn't have paid attention to him to begin with. I agree. With. And now, now, like, he had, I mean, Dana's talking about suing him basically for slander because Jake's calling out all of his fighters and his fighters can't contractually fight him. So it's making his fighters in the UFC look bad now. And it's like, did you did you listen to Dana at the post fight press conference though? I I didn't see his entire uh, his entire. I know he's up there for like a half I mean, hour. His tune kind of changed. Like yeah. it was like good for the kid. The kids learned how to make some money. But what I did love though is Dana was like, "Look, I run a professional business of real fights. People come here to see real fights. What that kid does is a circus." That is not an uh, official sport. That is a complete circus. If you want to watch stuff like that, then you can watch his show. But like, if you're here for real fights with real professionals, where the best fight the best, that's what I do. And so, like, I I I, I respected that because it was like saying, "Look, at the end of the day, like, let the kid make his money." But like, if you're talking about serious fights with real stakes and the best in the world and you're talking about this right here so um but yeah i did i feel like he's gonna show up in houston too i feel like he's gonna try to start crap with nate diaz or nick diaz or something like that like the guy's a troll and he's telling ariel hawani flat out i'm a troll like that's what i do and yet we keep buying into it and that's why I was like with the with the Logan Paul thing too. I'm like, quit supporting this stuff. Like, don't even bother with it. Quit talking about it, and it, it'll go away. But man, like these kids have just captured uh, their 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 fame, and and they're gonna take advantage of it till till the time runs out. So it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, I call it the hype piece. You know what I mean? I, I didn't make that name up, but like that's like it's. it's I, I when I talk about Sean O'Malley, I'm always talking about the hype beast crowd, and like that, it's like that's yep. the, that's that audience that they're trying to. Um, now, you know, to be honest, I have no problem with Logan Paul boxing Floyd Mayweather. Like Floyd Mayweather did that thing with tension in Japan that was like a total joke. Also, I mean, Floyd is just out there. If he could go out there and do pro wrestling against the Big Show, and this, you know, that's that's what he's doing now. It's not. 
he's not out there to be the best boxer in the world anymore. He's out there to just keep making money on his name, which I don't really care, you know. But the Jake Paul stuff is interesting too because he's the. I hate to admit it, but he's making some decent points out there too. Like he's also out there talking about fighter pay, which like he's right about. Like he's making more money than all the UFC fighters are, which is like, I mean, which is pretty baffling. You ha- you have um. You know, he's talking about how he, the reason he keeps targeting MMA fighters to box him, it actually makes sense. He's like, because boxing is, you know, it's an aspect of what they do professionally, but they're not professional boxers. And I'm only a few fights in, and I've just only been training for a few years at only boxing. So it's like, seems somewhat level to fight, to box an MMA guy versus, you know, he says he has aspirations of fighting real boxers eventually, but thinks this is just the better way of going about it right now. And like you said, it's it's kind of on everybody for just kind of allowing all this to happen. Because now we're at a point where, like, Jake Paul is probably a bigger name in combat sports than most UFC fighters, if not all of them. Which is like, so you kind of have to listen to what he's saying. So here's my thing, is I think Jake Paul is a bigger name than most boxers. I think UFC is a different breed just because it's a completely different sport, right? So you are jumping into that sport, but most boxers are not household names. Most of these guys are just nobodies, and they'll push them like they're household names and they're not. That's why boxing's in the position that it's in right now, because they never have allowed the best to fight the best and shown who is the best. And then stars are built off of that. They don't do that. They're not willing to risk their fighters. So it's such a corrupt system. And that's why I hate the fighter pay argument, because the UFC cares so much more about the undercard than boxing ever will. Boxing is a one-fight show. That's what it is. And so to me, like... Yeah, you got Frank Mir in there and, you know, you were going to get Antonio Tarver. But, I mean, you you literally only had one fight that people were going to pay for. Logan Paul and and uh, Floyd Mayweather. No, Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather is a one-fight show. That's what that is. So, it's different when you get three title fights on a UFC, like the money does have to be spread out. It's not going to be the same. The, the tickets are uh, the, the pay-per-view buys the way they distribute it. I'm not necessarily saying it's fair how they do it, but the UFC gives such uh, more of an effort to make sure that you get a full quality show than boxing ever will. And not that's, only that's, that's all fair. Stories, yeah. Just the stories like, if you're just a fan that like say you invited a buddy over, right? He's a he's a guy you knew from high school, but he doesn't watch UFC, but he just wants to hang out with his buds, right? He comes over, he watches the very beginning intro of that video, and all three fights are explained in that video. And you're like, I don't know anything about this, but I'm intrigued. I want to see what happens. If I turn on boxing, I get nothing like that. I get nothing. They barely can explain the stories of who these guys are. You don't care about them. Like UFC is at such a different level than boxing. And that's why so many more people care about boxing, but there's always going to be your Canelos. There's always going to be your, your big time fighters that people are drawn to your Tyson Fury, stuff like that. But it's not universal. And with, like I said, with UFC, 
I'm interested in the card on Saturday. I'll be interested in the card next Saturday. I'll be interested in the next pay-per-view. Boxing is nothing like that. And so it allows these dweebs to come in here and set up fights that really you don't need a ton of skill for, especially if you're fighting a guy that only has two or three fights. The thing that intrigues me about Jake Paul is, what if he's good? Like, what if he is good? We don't know. We know that he's a young kid. He's 24 years old. He trains with a lot of really good um, boxers. And he's got nothing but time and money to get better. Like, what if he's good? So yeah, that that's what's intriguing. What if they did set up him and Nate Diaz? And what if he beat Nate Diaz? Then what? You know? And to me, that's why he wants these UFC fighters because it's a way for him to make himself look legit that he belongs in the boxing world by beating big names in the UFC and showing that, hey, I belong in, in the tops of boxing. Imagine Logan Paul has literally – he hasn't won one, one boxing bout yet. He lost to KSI, and he's getting Floyd Mayweather. Like, it, it, it just boggles my mind. And I know you say that Floyd has done stuff, but, like, at least Tension or whatever was, like, a legit fighter. They set that thing up. Floyd destroyed that kid. But at the end of the day, Manny Pacquiao is, like, 42 years old, and he's looking to fight Terrence Crawford, who's the best pound-for-pound boxer in the world. And Floyd Mayweather – is sitting on his ass, spending all of his money, setting up a fight on an exhibition Showtime pay-per-view to fight Logan Paul. At some point, dignity matters. At some point, it's not just about selling your soul for money. And that's what Floyd Mayweather has been doing for years. Yeah, I just don't have a problem with him doing that at all. Like, you know what I'm saying? Just like, as a fan, I don't care. Like, if he he went into pro wrestling, I wouldn't care. When he did the thing with the big show, I consider that to be like the same concept i mean that it's obviously not real or it's predetermined whatever you want to call like, it what if, what if george st pierre just said you know what like i'm retired from from mma but i'm gonna start fighting youtube fighters in boxing like don't you think at some point that that hurts his legacy don't you think at some point that that's like dude sure. you don't need to go there sure i mean the best example is bj penn he's fighting people outside of bars you know and what he's I mean? getting knocked out right yeah and it's right. awful yeah, it's, it's terrible, terrible to, to see. But, so like, it's also kind of there. I, I'm pretty – I mean, just to be honest, like, I'm pretty disconnected. Like, like I'm I'm obviously a huge fan of a lot of these fighters, but, like, at the end of the day, I don't really care what their prerogative is either. Like, I'm not really one of those people that gets upset when, like – I mean, as a fan, you want every fighter to, like, reach their full potential and, like, you know, see the best and, like, really see the best fighters fight the best fighters. But, that, I mean – I don't know how I would act once I hit a certain level myself. You know what I mean? Like once you make all the money that you need, it's kind of like you do what you want to do. Um, I it's frustrating. If I if I was a bigger fan of boxing, it would probably be a lot more frustrating. Like because it would. And that's, that's was, my thing is like yeah. I grew up with Floyd. I used to be a fan of Floyd when he did that crap with Victor Ortiz. That's really what soured me on him. Um, and then it's like. The best shouldn't take as many shortcuts as this guy takes. He became a cherry picker. He also completely changed his style. 
just to basically trick people into buying his fights to make it seem like he was going to go out there and throw down when all he literally planned on doing was boxing a little bit and holding, boxing, holding, boxing, holding. He knew he wasn't going to give people a show, but it also ruined boxing in a sense because people became so obsessed with the undefeated side of things Mm -hmm. that that's when guys really started ducking each other. And it really started with Floyd. Floyd made it to a point to where like being undefeated meant everything. And so in UFC, yes, you want to be undefeated, but you also understand you have to take on the best. And, and, and Floyd was totally against that. And so that's my biggest gripe with Floyd. Yeah, for sure. I totally get that. Scotty Johnson in the chat with a random uh, Mir- Mirko call. I think it means Mirko Crow cop. Yeah, um, I think he does too. I, I thought about him earlier when we were talking about um, that's something people don't consider enough. By the way, we were talking about it earlier when people get knocked out and you see the knockout. Mirko Krokop's a great example. He did it to other people, and it happened to him where you can tear your ACL and destroy your legs on the fall. Good, like there's the fall yep. of being knocked out. Um, yep. And that just kind of like what back. happened with Stipe too. He got away with one because Francis made him fall on his leg. Yep, I always watch for that. That's the first thing I look at when someone's getting knocked out is where are their legs. I like I'm yeah. pretty conditioned to be paying attention to that. But yeah, dude, I'm with you. With the, I understand your point of view with Floyd, um, and and you know, it's and it, it is a good comparison because you know even with BJ Penn, I, I wasn't like the biggest diehard BJ Penn fan when I was younger. I liked him, but I was always more of like a GSP Nick Diaz. You know, I was a fan of yeah. more of his opponents than him. Right. Um, but it is still really sad to see the position that he's been in in the public eye lately. I mean, it's yeah, you know. So I, I you, know, well, I that dude like from. he was on Twitter saying he wanted to fight Logan Paul, and I'm like, please don't, or I mean Jake Paul, like please yeah. don't, like I don't want to see that. Yeah. So although whoever wins is going to be redeemed if they're kind of like on the MMA outs, like if Tyron Woodley actually does fight Jake Paul and he knocks him out, like. I will look at Tyra Woodley completely different than what I have in a long time. So Same. it's uh, it's very interesting. But let's yeah. get back to real fighting. Um, so the uh, fight machine between Weili Zhang and Rose. I mean, this is what MMA is all about, man. This is what this was what makes things so special. Is like you know you look at it on paper, it doesn't look good for Rose. You know, the power that Weili Zhang has had. But, like, you also know going in that Rose is the better fighter. As long as she can avoid getting hit, she is the better fighter. And so that's why I felt like if there was going to be an upset, it was going to be Rose. But, man, I did not expect her to knock her out in the first round basically with a head kick. Like, unbelievable. Like, when Weili just fell down, like... It it was it was almost just I was just in shock at first, and she just went for the kill and it was over and uh, yeah that and, and like I love just you know because you know mentally Rose battles with herself and like she's standing in the corner when she's being introduced talking about how she's the best I'm the best I'm the best like and you're just like damn let's go Rose you can do this and when she does it and Dana puts a belt on her and she's crying like. Just it's just so raw and real and genuine and like I got emotional just like teary eyed watching it because it's just it's something that you didn't know if she was ever gonna get back 
And a lot of people, when they lose the title, they don't get it back. And for her to overcome that, I just thought it was an incredible MMA moment. Yeah. Well, I mean, she basically like almost did retire after she lost the title. So, you know, this has been a long journey for her of like deciding if she wants to keep doing this or not. And and I, she is a very emotional person. I've heard her talk about in interviews about all this stuff in her personal life and, 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 you know, just even just her instincts. Like she was on that bus where Connor threw the trolley yep. and that, that messed with her mentally a little bit. I mean, like there's, a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, by the way, it's just like, that's she processed it in in a way that it I mean it messed with her and you know there was there's been other stuff and what also was kind of cool I don't know if I'm just like just it's just me being a fan and just almost like wishful thinking of seeing things line up certain ways but when she hit that head kick I was like that was like a Pat Berry head kick right there like that's yeah. you know what I mean like that's like I bet you he works a lot with I, her I, on that stuff. I love I love their relationship. They've been through it. They're still with each other and like Pat is his her biggest supporter and like well you can see when when she won like Pat was over in the corner standing up just yelling like yeah you know like it, it meant so much to him too and so yeah it's just it's a cool story. It it does kind of it, it, do you think they should run that thing back? I wouldn't be so. I'm I'm never gonna question running back title fights because we've seen fighters that have done less get title shots at this point. Like you know, Alexander Gustafson got a title shot after getting knocked out by Rumble Johnson. You know what I mean? So it's like I, I'm not gonna sit here and say that Wiley Zhang doesn't deserve a title shot when we've seen things like that happen. But like I'm not like clamoring for it. I mean, Rose decisively knocked her out. Um, if Wiley won another fight, I'd be a little more interested. But I also wouldn't – it wouldn't, like, really bother me. I, I guess um, if you have any more thoughts, let me pull up the uh, – I'm going to pull up the rankings real quick and just see kind of who else. Okay. I mean, I guess you could – you because you always have Ioana. Um, Aren't they talking about uh, the the cookie monster? What's her name? Carlos Esparza. I think they're yeah. doing that. And the, the winner of that, I think that's a good option for Rose. Um, I, I'd be fine – like, I'd be fine with them running back Rose and uh, – Rose and Joanna again. I mean, like those were good fights, and that's a that's a legit rivalry that doesn't come around too often. And they're it's almost like Benavidez and Mighty Mouse, almost a little bit. Like you know, one of the two of them is always going to be right there. Just Benavidez can never you know get over the hump of Mighty Mouse. But Chris Warden send in the super chat. Appreciate it, Chris about that. And I I mean I'm okay with that, but like the fact that Rose won twice, do you think that they should do it again? It's tough. It's like I said, it's kind of like the Benavidez or like a Uriah Faber type situation. Like these, these fighters that are perennially like right there throughout their whole careers, number two ranked and just kept knocking out contender after contender. So it, but, I think, I think running back Whaley Zhang and, and, and uh, Joanna in a that, rematch makes sense. I mean, it would. It's just there's just no way they can top that first one. The expectations are going to be so insanely high for that fight. But it, but it was an incredible fight. So I, I mean, agree. But at least the stakes basically are whoever wins gets Rose. So then yeah. it would be like still a reason to do the fight. When you know who else has a lot of upside is Mackenzie Dern. If she wins another big one, I could see yeah. her up there. And she has a different skill set too. Her her on the ground that presents a totally yeah. different problem. I like that fight. I think Rose might be too much for her right now, but I, I, I it's new, it's fresh. I like it. They probably will fight more than once. So, because Dern's only Rose like twenty five. The thing with 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 Rose to me also is like 
I don't see her being a fighter for a really long time. So try to get this stuff in when you can. I, I don't, I don't think it's going to last forever. So, um, but yeah, it's, that's, that's interesting, but I, I think it's incredible that there's so much business impact draw from the female division right now. There's just a lot and it's, and it's just an MMA in general. So um, it's really cool to see. And, and there's, and it's natural, you know, like it's not forced. It's not like, well, we're going to push her just because she's a woman. No, like these girls are the best. So, and you want to see them, you want them on the card you're watching. You want them on the card you're attending. Um, it's just very cool. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. They one billion percent deserve their spots on these shows and the position that they're in. Like they're, they're having, it's not just that, like they're delivering. It's not just like two yep. high level athletes. Like these fights are good. And even when they're one-sided, you see just the brilliance of one of the two fighters and just how good they are. Like you see a Shevchenko and it's like, yeah, she smoked on Draj, but like, if you've been watching, you know how good Andrade is. So it's like ultra impressive to see a performance like that. Um, and then same with Rose. I mean, we saw Wiley Zhang and, you know, maybe her chin's a little rough after the Joanna fight. Maybe she's not quite the same after that. You never know. But, like, for the the war that we just saw Wiley Zhang and Joanna and Jacek have, for Rose to go out there in the first round and just sleep her like that. I mean, that's yep. so insanely impressive. So, um, yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I, I think that they, uh, for a show that had this, this many eyes on it, it, like you're saying, like Bill being interested, not even being interested in years and like these, and especially after the weirdness of the first two fights, like these two title fights really set the stage for that main event. Right. And now like he knows like, okay, so Rose and Valentina, they're pretty established stars. Like he gets it now. You know what I mean? It's like, it's one thing to say like, oh yeah, well this girl beat this girl or whatever. But like when you see it, when you see, especially an upset, like it, it really, it, it gets stuck in your brain. So um, it was very cool to see. And then man, the main event, like, listen, I've been telling people for a while now, this Kamaro Usman GSP level discussion is here. Like this guy is looking like an all time great. He is, he is defending his title and he is finishing guys in brutal fashion. I mean, you want to talk about a perfect right hand that dropped that it crumbled him. It, he literally was asleep and his body fell on Usman's back just to fall down. And like, it was so surreal to me to see Usman after that last shot to the chin, literally flat on his back and completely asleep. Like I'm not used to seeing Masvidal in that, in that way. I'm not like, and the fact that Usman went in there and did what he did and put him away in the way that he did with the huge shot, sweat flying everywhere, completely knocked him out. Um, just ultra impressive. Like if you don't think Kamaru Usman, if you don't like him, if you think he's a dork, whatever, but man, put respect on that man's name. He is one of the best fighters in the world, if not the best fighter in the world. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I, it's going to be interesting to see, what they try to do with him next because his 
that win over Masvidal was so decisive. Like there, I mean, the first one with the decision, it was, that was very decisive as well. It was completely one-sided, but this was like, you can't even come in, come out of that fight being like, well, I mean, he's just a better athlete. or just a better wrestler. He went out there and completely knocked him out cold. Masvidal was in the same position on the ground that Darren Till was when Masvidal knocked him out. They're just, just yep. laying there, just looking at the lights, you know, like, yep. I mean, it was, it was just, it was just so, so impressive. And it's really exciting to see because we know how insanely good his wrestling was similar to GSP. Like you mentioned a second ago, like GSP, GSP's trajectory was kind of strange because he was a striker, then became a wrestler, then kind of became more of a boxer wrestler with, with Camaro. It seems he's just a straight amateur wrestler that now has figured out how to box and has power behind his punches. So he's going to be a massive problem. Like if he hits Colby like that, I mean, you know what I mean? Like I I think Colby, we, like we said before, I think Colby has the best chance. And I think that that probably is the fight that makes the most sense next is Colby and Usman running it back. But Usman wasn't hitting Colby like that. The first time that the two of them fought, like he was hitting him a bunch, but he didn't catch him clean with that kind of power. And when he put him down, that was the accumulation of five rounds of fighting. Like, Yep. I mean, if Usman can hit like this, like I mean, this is like he's a he's a real, real, real problem for everybody. And like you said, yeah. he, he might be the best fighter, best uh, pound for pound fighter in the world right now. He really might be. Yeah. So let me play devil's advocate for Colby because I am a Colby fan, even though he can be ultra obnoxious and cringe. But th- this is my devil's advocate for Colby. Nobody is going to push the pace on Usman like Colby will. So Party I don't alive. necessarily yeah. know if if Usman is going to get a lot of opportunities to just throw huge punches when Colby is just constantly putting pressure, throwing little baby punches, pressure, pressure. Also, he has to worry about the takedown. You know, he's not worried about the takedown with Jorge Masvidal. And I thought that that was an interesting way to approach it was it's like, look, I'm not even going to try to take you down, bro. We're going to stand and bang and I'm going to knock you out. And that's exactly what he did. And I thought that there were warning signs for Masvidal and he had to kind of save face for the trash talk that he said about how soft of a puncher he was and all that stuff. Because there were a couple times where Usman caught Masvidal and you could tell it really got his attention and he smiled about it and all that stuff. But he knew oh, crap, this guy has serious power. But I will say, keep in mind, too, I personally think Usman was looking a little tired after the first round. His cardio did not seem the same to me, and I thought the same thing with kind of Gilbert Burns. I feel like if Colby can really push the pace on Usman, then it could be a different story. And Colby did hurt him in the body. He did hurt him in the body, and they treated it like a nut shot. So, yes, I think the key thing for Usman is he's now training at Trevor Whitman's. I think that that's monstrous for him. I think, you know, training with J- Justin Gaethje and and those guys like, you know, even Rose, like uh, just a championship mentality over there. I think that – but Colby's also training at his own place now and, and kind of making sure that things are catered to him and not at ATT. So, I listen, at the end of the day, I think Usman's going to win the fight. But – I'm interested in the fight. I think the fight's going to be good. I think the buildup is going to be fantastic. And I really think that these are the two best in the division. And I, I'm always going to respect the fact that when the two best fight, like it's usually a great fight and there's buildup, there's heat, like, and 
Another thing I think also is Usman is going to try to knock Colby out. There is not going to be a decision in this fight. And so will that make him swing for the fences and possibly make him not have the best game plan? There's just a lot of different factors. There are. And also keep in mind, I mean, I thought Masvidal arguably won the first round. Like, yeah. when you know, so, you know, and um, Sean Byrne in the chat noticed that Burns uh, caught him too. I mean, so uh, Usman's been hit and Colby hit yep. him a lot as well in their fight. Yep. Um, so there is that to consider too. So, I, I mean, um, I, I'm at a position right now with Usman that I just – I just can't pick against him. And same with like John Jones. I just can't pick against John Jones. Like I just don't, I, I just have no reason to still, but, but like, and I feel the same way about Usman right now. I just can't pick against him, but I think like you're saying, I, and, and I fully agree. I think Colby is the one who has the most potential to beat him of, of any of the contenders right now. Um, and then we can also talk Nick Diaz because that kind of bleeds into this as well. Yep, this bleeds into it, and we're definitely going to talk about it. Uh, first of all, since you said his name, let's uh, let's get a little the man. He's back. Everyone, get excited. Um, my, I'm very so to me the perfect opponent for Nick's return is Masvidal. Agree. Uh, it's just it's such a money fight. It's such a big fight. And we don't know if Masvidal's ever going to get to that title again. And so you got to do this fight. And you don't want to do Nick and like some killer because you're just going to kill all of Nick's markability and and not get a big fight like a Masvidal fight. So to me, like, I know that Masvidal said that he basically wants to do this thing kind of towards the end of the year and and he will fight Nick, but he he wants it on his time. Um, and so I, I, God do it, just do it. I mean, to me, like for all the diehard fans that have been watching the sport for a long time, Nate Diaz, that's cool and all, you know, it's great, but dude, Nick is the, the guy like the, the Diaz army is Nick Diaz. This is his stuff. You know, when they like say, I started this gangster shit. This is Nick stuff. Nick BMS. started That's this. Nick, Nick Diaz is BMF. That's right. the original and, and BMF. Nick, and yeah. you put that belt on the line. You put that BMF yeah. on the line with Nick. And that you you have to do that fight. There's just no other way around it. Especially if both are willing to do it. Like that is just that's that's printing money. Like I I I if if they make that fight. There's not a bigger fight. You could do Francis Ngannou, John Jones. You could do Conor McGregor and whoever else. You could do whatever you want. There is nothing bigger to me than Masvidal and Nick Diaz. The only one that I would say would be possibly bigger, you just mentioned it kind of like accidentally. If they did Nick and Conor, that'd be huge too. Oh, I um, would. I mean, yes. Yeah, Anything yeah. with Nick is basically what <laughs> well, I'm saying. Well, because you like, don't want Nick. And, you don't. You don't want Nick and Chimeyev, and I get that because you don't want. You don't Hell want because no. it's not a huge fight, and if he beats him, well, he basically just takes. Here's my thing. This is the only reason you make this fight, in my opinion. This is a we're going to destroy your credibility and get you out of here fight. This is a Tito Ortiz Leota Machida fight. This is a Rampage Glover to Share fight. You do not make this fight if you plan on making money with Nick Diaz. This fight is to destroy Nick Diaz, and I hate it. I absolutely, I can't believe that they had the audacity to offer him that fight. Like, terrible idea. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. And it's and funny because this guy isn't even ranked. 
He's not even ranked, and I am scared totally about this guy. Like, I just see his ability, and he looks like a 170-pound Khabib with punching power. Like, I, I want Nick nowhere near that guy. Yeah, I don't want to see him fight Nick either. But I get the UFC, like, what they're trying to do with it. It's like it's like you just said. Like, if because a lot of people would tune in to see the return of Nick Diaz, and then a bunch of people would leave if, if Chimeyov won, being like, I didn't even know who this guy was, and now he's like, my dude, I'm going to be following. Another name that I would throw out there, just because it would be a big enough name, it wouldn't be to the level of a Masvidal or a, or a Connor, but just considering the position he's in, because we don't really know where Nick's at because it's been so long, I run back Robbie Lawler. You know, that could be a good one. I, In my opinion, if you're going to run back another fight, run back Carlos Condit. Because oh, I'm good with Carlos that, too. Condit I'm good with that, too. Same position. Two in a row, and he beat Nick. So there's a right. chance for a rematch. Nick Nick knocked Robbie out. And you could do that. But to me, that's a type of fight that if Nick says, look, I'm one and done, and you want me to fight Robbie Lawler, Robbie Lawler has also decided he wants to retire. And y'all are going to go out and bang and, and fight till the end, and your careers are over afterwards. Like, that's a Diego and Donald Cowboy Cerrone type fight to me. Right, which but is coming like, up, it, by the way, y'all. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And and at the end of the day, to me, if you still care about Nick or Masvidal, you do this fight because whoever wins is going to be better for it and you can push to the next pillar. And uh, I just, damn it, I want Nick Diaz versus Jorge Masvidal. That's the fight to make. There's so much story there too. Like you did this to my brother. Like, and it's like, you don't need, like the whole time that they've been talking about doing Nate and Jorge Masvidal. No, the fight has always been Nick and Jorge Masvidal. That was the fight that they wanted to do before Nick got suspended yep. or after he got suspended, whatever. Yeah, but it like, was the Alcamoto reported it and they just never right. wound up. Yeah. I so, remember. like, this has always been the fight, and Nate has gotten gotten in there because he's a BMF or whatever. But, like, you do this fight. Nick Diaz, Jorge Masvidal, make it happen. Yeah, I think that's the best option too. Him and him and Connor for and Connor's like the same reasons for them for Masvidal. Just you don't have the BMF title, but I mean, same thing. You and me, and my you and my brother have beef. Like I'm gonna come here and you know f you up. It's not you only know. that you you have beef. You beat my brother. You kicked my brother in his face, and he calls him his baby brother too. He doesn't just right. call him his brother. He's like you, my baby brother. Like he wants revenge. That's the whole point. And, yeah, and I love it. And, and Masvidal is so game. Like, I don't even know if you saw his post-fight afterwards with Ariel, like that interview. And, dude, like, he totally handled it just like, like, look, at the end of the day, I'm a fan of the sport. And, like, he hit me with a great shot. Like, I'm almost a fan of how he did it. I just wish it wasn't to me. And then he, they were like, you know, are you still going to hate him or whatever? He's like, honestly, if he's going to fight like that from now on, like, I'll be a fan. I'll respect him. Nice. So Masvidal's just game, dude. He's just a fighter. That's at the end of the day. He's just a fighter. He showed up. He took off his shirt. He 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 took off his pants. He just ran right up into the octagon, ready to fight. He's gonna fight whoever. He's always been that way. And and to me, like he's got a lot of Diaz in him. So have a fight. And yeah. and I think I, and and regardless what anyone says about Nate and it, like I think Nick's the better fighter. And Damn. I want to see Nick. I want to see Nick fight Jorge Masvidal. That's yeah. what I want. Yeah, I mean I'm not shy about saying it. Nick Diaz is my favorite fighter ever. Like. Yeah, all time, any company. I mean, he's and why, why? Why is that in your opinion? Because I can tell you mine. 
So a few different reasons for me. One is his fighting style. I just really, I like two is the fact that he was just so misunderstood for so long. And like, yeah. he just isn't the best at articulating his thoughts. He just, but he, yep. there's a lot going on up there. Oh yeah. Um, there's a lot. Um, but in a bit, honestly, a big part of it is I see a lot because I'm an older brother and my younger brother, he like I got him into combat sports, like being a fan. And now my brother is a, he owns a boxing gym up the street. Like I, we, me and him will look very similar. The Diaz brothers look very similar. I have that same type of feelings towards my brother that I have with, that I feel like Nate has, Nick has with Nate, you know, I'm very protective and I, you know, I, I know that my brother looks up to me. So a lot of the decisions I make, I know he's watching and I can be affecting his decision-making based on the decisions I make, even at, the, I'm 32 and he's 30, you know I mean? We're not that far apart, yeah. but it's, so it's, but so I just, there's a lot of parallels and kind of what I see a, 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 with him as his family. And then also on top of that, I just love the mentality of the Diaz army because it's a yep. group of guys who hang out and smoke weed and go to the beach and do whatever, but it's all whatever Nick is wanting to do. So like they could be hanging out, just, they could be blazed out of their minds, chilling on the couch and Nick could go, all right, y'all, time for a five-mile run. And they just go, all right, cool. Nick says we got to go for a run. We're going for a run. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's what he – they follow him. And, I mean, yep. I, just think it's, I just think it's awesome. Yeah, like, especially back when it was, like, Gilbert Melendez and Jake Shields and, and Nate and Grant Nick Pat. and, like, yeah, and Joe Schilling. And, like, you know, they just had a bunch of them. So, like, they were just uh, – even Rhonda hung out with them time or two. And like what I what I just love is like look at the end of the day this is fighting and there's no real there's no more real fighters than the Diaz brothers like they're down for whatever and they're not they're not like hey let's you know sign the contract and set it up like no we're gonna fight now if you want to talk now that's why like if Jake Paul wanted to like come up to them in the crowd like then we'll fight now like they're just they're just down to fight they they're blood and guts they go to war. Um, and they're real, right? Like there's nothing fake about the Diaz brothers. That's what I love about them. And this is this, you know, the UFC sl- uh, slogan was always as real as it gets. Like that's what the Diaz brothers were. And I've completely followed Nick's career from the very beginning. Like I remember, uh, him in UFC 42 and like UFC 47, knocking out Robbie Lawler. And then like, him fighting uh, Carl Parisian on like the prelims of UFC 51 and like him and Diego on the ultimate fighter at the finale. Like I just Nick and then going to strike force and elite XC. Like, like I, I've been a fan of Nick for the longest time. And I hate the way that like basically his career was going to end by him just losing to Anderson Silva on a decision. Like, Dude, let that guy go out there and fight a killer like Jorge Masvidal, and let's see who's still got it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and so much of his career was, like, plagued with these BS suspensions for things that, like, the company endorses now. Like, they have, like, CBD sponsors, and he's... Well, like, the Gomi thing, dude. I mean, that was such a big win back then. Like, Gomi was, mm-hmm. Gomi was like, the pride poster boy, and they set up a U.S. show in, in Vegas, and Nick beat him. And and it's just like, holy crap, like Nick Diaz is legit. And then they took it away from him for testing positive for weed. And so, like, he, he's always dealt with that. He's always battled the commissions. And at, at the end of the day, why do we care if fighters smoke weed? Like, I don't care. Like, I just want them to fight. That's what they're there for. Like, 
Oh yeah. So I mean, it's it's been that, a dumb battle forever. And that that adds so much though to like the legend of Nick Diaz for me is the for fact sure. that the fact that he went out there. Because I remember those days too. I remember going on the Sure Dog, you know, forums and, and debating people like Pride versus UFC, who would beat who, and all this stuff all the time. And I mean, I will. The fact that Nick Diaz went out there because Gomi was going out there and his boxing back then was like so second to none, and he was piecing up Nick for a minute, and then yep. Nick started getting the better of him, and it's like, yep. wait a second, he's getting the better, of him. and then Nick's like his chin is granite, so like he's not, he's not, he's not giving up. And then not only does he beat him, he taps him with a go-go plata, which you yeah. like never seen. Which you never seen. Yeah. And, it was and, it was crazy. And then they find out that his the level of THC in his body was so high that he had to have smoked in the locker room right before the fight. Yeah. So it's like this dude is so fearless that he went out there and fought the most dangerous fighter in the world in his weight class, outstruck him, and then tapped him with like the rarest submission ever. With higher than anyone should ever be in an octagon or in a in a ring at the time, so it's like, and then he gets suspended for it. It's just so on brand. It was just like, of course he got suspended, but like no one can take away forget, that moment. Don't forget the Joe Riggs story. Like the oh, thing yeah. is going to yep. go down forever. And like, like what's funny too is like I remember Nick at the press conferences, you know, and he would just be like, oh, you know, you know, thanks for supporting sports, pretty cool. Like, yeah, we're we, we, we're here, we made it, and like people are cheering. He's like, yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty cool and stuff. And then like I hear about the fight because he was pretty chill. He wasn't crazy. I hear about the fight, and I used to listen to MMA Weekly all the time, right, with Ryan Bennett. And he calls in that Ryan Bennett show, and I mean, just dropping f bomb after f bomb, and I'm like, my God, who is this man? This is crazy. And like <laughs> after that, it's like never stopped. He even like fights that didn't happen, like the mayhem stuff, the mayhem buildup, and all that. Like and, and, and another thing that that's really like crazy to me about Nick is like so many people like a fighter, they don't hate it to the point to where he hates it. And even like GSP hated it, but he never really showed it. Nick is like furious walking to the cage and he's not furious in a sense that like he's going to have to fight this guy. Like he he's so mad he, at the guy. He's so furious that his life has put him in this position that he has to walk down this cage in front of all these people and he has to fight that man in the cage. It, it it literally pisses him off. It upsets him that he has put himself in this position. And so like when people are like, man, you did so great. That's awesome. And he's just like, what are you talking about? Dude? I got my face smashed in. Like you go out there. You know what I mean? Like he's just always been so raw and so genuine. So like the fact that he's coming back, I, I absolutely love the idea. Yeah, well, and it, and it pisses him off even more than he put his brother in the same position that he's in. 100%. And that's, 100%. You know, and you can just and so, tell. And, and I think that's what even sells this Masvidal story is the fact that, like, I did this to my brother. Now I'm going to go fix it. You kicked him in the face. You kicked my baby brother in the face. And so now you got to deal with me. Like, give me that countdown show. That's give awesome. it to me all. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, dude. Um, well, yeah, that's a good, that's a really good, uh, that'll work great for my podcast, that uh, that UFC and Nick Diaz I got talk. you, I got that was, you. That was perfect, that was perfect. And then uh, 
Let's oh, go we to were some super chats. If, if we, yeah, have I was going to say I, I saved one from like way earlier from Sean Byrne. If you, if it's not on the screen anymore, I okay, got, you it. got it. Perfect. It's like, do you guys think 50% fan capacity for blood and guts will make a big enough difference than what we've seen prior? Uh, yes, I do. I think that's, that's going to be like around 2,500, 2,600 people. I think that that's pretty substantial. I mean, I think the most we've seen is like, 1200 i think that for the house show that they just did they did 1600 but we've never seen that on tv so the fact of 25 to 2600 i think is pretty substantial so um and did did you see that the like on wrestle notes reported that the wwe was basically talking backstage basically everybody backstage was talking about the ufc being full capacity and how everybody's pretty much comfortable with fans returning back, maybe not completely full capacity, but maybe sooner than later. And that's what I love about the UFC. That's what I love about Dana is when this happens, it makes you question what you're doing. It makes you think, huh, is this the right way to go? These guys just sold out 15,000 and they're coming to Houston in a couple of weeks with 17,000. So I, I think it, it, you know, honestly, if you looked in that crowd, not very many people were wearing a mask. And I bet you anything, they're going to be fine. There's not going to be a bunch of positive COVID cases. There's not going to be a bunch of positive um, things like that. I think that they'll they'll be okay. And I and look at the end of the day, like why are we ignoring the fact that people can be vaccinated? Like that's what's so crazy to me is like if you're vaccinated. You don't need to go and and have to to wear a mask and and do all this stuff like you're vaccinated. You're good to go. Do 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 you. And I understand that we're not there yet where everyone's vaccinated, but you you should know your risk when you go to these shows. You should know that you're not fully protected and if you're comfortable enough to go, then you should go. And I think it's time especially outdoors with AEW like we need to get close to 100% maybe I don't think the pay-per-view will be, but I say first blood and guts. And if that turns out well, then you've got another like three weeks for the net for the pay-per-view, maybe 65%, maybe 70%, something like that. And then we're, we're close. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think it'll make a humongous difference having half that crowd there. Um, I mean, it was great to, you know, there's so many sides to the whole vaccination and all that stuff. I just don't want to get into all that. Yeah, but, yeah, like, yeah. but but it, but it's one of those things where, like, as a fan, I said this last week, as a fan of professional wrestling, watching WrestleMania, it was so much more enjoyable having the, the audience there. As a fan of UFC 261, it was so much more enjoyable seeing the fans there. So as a fan, I love that there's fans back. People can debate all day about, whether or not they should be there or not, and and when, and vaccinations and masks and social distancing and all that stuff. But just from a fan perspective, I love seeing fans back. Um, I think it's going to add a ton to blood and guts, like I said, just to even have half the crowd there. I think it'll be the first step towards, like you were saying, it'll things are starting to get back more back to normal. We got a few more hurdles, but it, it is good to see this stuff. And, you know, if UFC can continue to pull this off the way that they have, it really is setting the standard for these other organizations that, you know, if they see that they might start following suit and be like, you know what, we're the UFC's running shows. There aren't any spikes in anything. And 
I mean, we don't know just yet, but just assuming that that's the case, like, I mean, right. that's going to, it's going to be a big green light for a lot of these other, you know, sports organizations and stuff to start really getting back in the gear with all that. Because the, if the UFC is doing it, like why aren't they able to do it? You know? So it's, um, so yeah, I don't know. I'm excited to see that. I, or I'm excited for you that you get to go in Houston. That's going to be awesome. Dude, I am I am so pumped. Like, I'm so glad that I got tickets before watching that because, dude, no telling how much money I would have paid if that thing was sold out and I just finished that UFC and they would be like, okay, yeah, you know, tickets like four sixty five. I'd be like, uh, maybe yeah. I might have to. Like, <laughs> I I'm just I can't wait. I can't wait. I mean, not just that. Like, I'm such a fan of so many of those guys on the card too. Like, it's gonna be so awesome, and I. I can't wait to uh, scream as loud as I can and take it all in and be in that moment because just you just never knew when you were ever going to get that again. So um, I'm a little bit more nervous, I guess, with Houston because the the mayor and stuff is definitely not Ron DeSantis. So I don't know if they're going to have anything crazy in store for us that we don't know about going into it, but. It kind of seems like to me that the way that they do it is like when you buy a ticket, you're basically signing a waiver that like if you die, you cannot sue them. So it's like, okay, you know, no problem. I'm like I said, it's not like people go to these things and think that there is no risk. They're just willing to take the risk. So just do the show and people will come. I mean, at the end of the day, look at it. Dana said that basically they sold out. Houston, Florida, and Vegas within five minutes. So clearly people are ready to get back. Clearly people are not as afraid of this thing as everyone wants to make it out to be. Or they've already been vaccinated. They're comfortable. Like, it's not this. What drives me crazy is anyone that's acting like this is the same as it was last April. Like, it's been a dramatic difference. There's time. It's time now to move forward. So... Um, yeah, I'm super excited. The, the, the stream of that week, man, I would probably just be so amped. Like I, I can't wait. I haven't been to a UFC in since probably Gustafson DC. I think that's probably the last one I went to. Um, so yeah, my last one was literally as the pandemic was starting that, uh, that Jong and, uh, Young Jacek and what was it? What was the main event? It was a really good show. Um, oh, it was uh, Israel Adesanya and Gaslam, right? No, that was in Atlanta. That was the co-main for Hallway and Poirier. It was – what the hell was the main event? It was Jan Jacek and Zhang was the co-main. Was that, was that Adesanya and, um, and uh, Yoel? Yes, that was. And that's yeah. why I'm forgetting it because the fight was terrible. Yeah. Um, Man, have you seen that Bellator card? Uh, Coming up no. next week. No, is that Rumble and UL? Yes, and okay. it's MVP. It's uh, one of the Pitbull brothers, and it's somebody else. Like the whole card is stacked. The main card is really good. Oh yeah, I'll, t- I'll definitely watch that. I'm, I mean, I'm all in to watch UL and Rumble for sure. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, like that that whole card is good. In return of MVP too, I'm excited about that. So yeah, I'm still lukewarm on him. He's exciting, but like I he he hasn't beaten like anyone good. But like he's Agreed. been super impressive against guys he should beat. So he's really entertaining. Yeah, for sure. I mean, nobody's cracking literally cracking skulls the way that he is. So right. 
And I mean, he lost to Douglas Lima. That's not the worst thing that can happen. So, no. And the Paul no. Daly fight was boring. Like, it, it, Paul Daly decided he didn't want to engage because he was dancing. So, you see his last fight where he like almost got yep. destroyed in the first round and come back, back and won in the third. I mean, you can't, fi- you can't, you can't finish that guy off, man. Like, whenever you think he's done, he comes back and wins again. Unless like, you're Nick Diaz. Yeah, for sure, right? But no, Best I mean, like, ever. but like, you can lose. He'll lose, but I'm just saying, like, he's not a guy that'll go on like a four or five fight losing streak. Like, Daly just always eventually finds a way to bounce back. And when he does, it's impressive fashion. It's a knockout. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be sick. Um, Any other super chats to catch up on? No, I think that's it. Oh, yeah, no, no, there's this one from Chris. This was a pretty cool one. You can read that one if you want. Okay, I'll read this one to myself. It says, also yeah. just wanted to say, Stephen, even though I haven't been – I feel like I'm reading like a, like a note that like a kid has written me right now. Uh, even though I have been talking to you that long, you're a welcome addition to this community that Bill and Doug started. Chris, I really, really appreciate that, man. Um, all jokes aside, like, I see you in here all the time, like, every single time we're doing these chats, and I see you on Twitter and stuff, man. Like, I really I really do appreciate you saying that because um, Doug will even tell you, like, I had reservations about doing this on a regular basis because I didn't want to be, like, the bill replacement. I didn't want to, like, impose right. at all. Like, I didn't want to – and Doug really wanted me to do this, and y'all have all really um, taken to me really – uh, positively, which I really, really appreciate, especially because I was a fan of Bill and Doug when I was sitting in my high school or my in high school, but also like in my college dorm room and stuff. And it's just cool for me to do this. So the fact that y'all like this, I really, really appreciate that. So thank you, Chris. Yeah, it's awesome. It definitely. And I mean, honestly, like, yes, me and Bill are the OGs and all that stuff, but you do bring a different perspective. Like, Bill and I didn't know a ton about the Indies. And I mean, I definitely know more about the Indies now, but like you definitely know more on that side, you know more about MMA. So it definitely brings a a different perspective. And so you're, you're definitely appreciated being on here. Thanks, man. Thank you. And and for anyone who, uh, that was a super chat from Chris, any other super chats, we will literally, we'll read out. If you got questions, we'll read all of them. Like just, Feel free to send them in. We were taking a kind of a break because we were going through the whole UFC uninterrupted. But now, yeah. if anything that y'all got, we'll we'll shift gears. And I'll also take this time real quick to thank y'all. We're at 20 thumbs ups on the video. And awesome. if you can keep hitting that like button, if you're in here and you haven't done that yet, it really, really, really helps the stream out. And it's totally free and it takes like half a second. So um, we've been getting a lot more engagement lately. And I think it's a lot of it is is because of y'all helping us out with those thumbs up. So, uh, so I saw a couple of weird things too. I keep seeing is people that used <laughs> to be subscribed that like maybe deleted their YouTube or have a new YouTube account that this like has been recommended to them. And then they found out that low oh, Doug's back or whatever. So keep that in mind that when you guys give us likes and things like that, it just, it sends an algorithm to those people that maybe watch a long time ago and then they see that oh they're back and so then they they resubscribe and all that stuff so it helps us out we have 30 people in here right now so i know that you guys can can give us more likes so please do and uh definitely appreciate it and we got one more main topic to talk about uh i i actually did watch most of the impact pay-per-view um 
I will say this. You know how I feel about no crowds. I did think it was cool, though, that they had representation from AEW and from Impact, so it didn't just feel like completely empty. And stakes matter, right? So this is for all the belts. So you care about the outcome. This isn't just like some normal match. So you are a little bit more invested than what you uh, normally are. I will say this, though. I am going to rant a little bit. I thought the Trey Miguel Sammy Callahan match was total freaking garbage. Like literally it was it was Trey getting the total crap kicked out of him the entire match and then he pulls like one RKO through a table and wins. Like it wasn't back and forth in any way. And I I just I thought the match was really poorly done. What did you think? I mean, that's fair. I honestly, I thought it was all right. Because the, the thing with Sammy Callahan is that's just kind of what he does on Impact Pay-Per-View. Like, it's all it's all kind of the same. Not the same exact match, but it's, it's they're all very similar. They're all like street fights or last man standing or in a, in a cage or whatever whatever it is. It's always gimmick matches, which I always go into with really low expectations. So that's part of it, too. Like, I don't ever go. And, and the thing is, too, like, I'm a fan of Trey. And one thing I liked, but one thing I liked about this match, and you may disagree, people in the chat may disagree. I think the Meteora is like the worst finishing move in wrestling. I can't stand it. Like, Mm -hmm. like when, especially when you're someone like Trey, when you have a move set that is like all of his actual, all of his regular moves look like they're better than his finisher. I just don't understand it. He's out there doing like ricochet type stuff. And then like he's, because for me, a Meteora, all I feel like you're doing is you're, you are, I'll just say it. you're putting your nuts in someone's face. You're landing on your own knees, like knees first into the ground and face planting while you're just kind of, and the other guy's just kind of laying, laying back on his back. It just doesn't, doesn't look like it would hurt. It looks like it would hurt you more than it would hurt them. I just don't get it. Anyways, he used that RKO instead. So I was like, you know what? At least it wasn't a Meteora. Like, cause I was expecting him to like jump off the ropes through like a table and like face plant, but like win the match. Like I, so but that being said, outside of that match, what did you think about the rest of it? Because I thought it was a really good show from top I thought, to bottom. I thought the opener was good. I'm a big fan of Ace Austin. I think that, that kid is going to be awesome. I don't necessarily love his look so much. Like I feel like he could kind of change that part up. But for the most part, like I think he's extremely talented. He's young. He's the perfect guy to me that AEW should be interested in when his contract is up. Because you want those young guys. And then if you're, if you're stable – of young guys is MJF and Darby Allen and Ace Austin and Jungle Boy and so on. Like you're you're in good shape. You know what I mean? So I was definitely a fan of that. Um I, I, I don't know about Alexander winning the X Division uh title, but I, I thought the match was good. Um I thought the women's match was trash. I didn't think it was very good at all. Which one? Uh, the tag match of the title the women's with to to Neil. The Daniel and um, Deanna. Deanna. Yeah, I just, I don't know. Maybe they just have good chemistry or whatever, but I just, I didn't think it was that great. Uh, What else? What else? What? Oh, is Cardona really hurt? No. Man, like even the way that he fell, it looked kind of bad. He sold it pretty well, like buckling his leg on the way down and everything. Yeah. uh, From what I've heard, he's okay. Total sell Um, job. 
Yeah, and I like that. And I like that Myers won that one. By the way, like Myers needed that win more than Cardona did, in my opinion. Yeah, um, I think Myers has done pretty well, honestly, because you know when you think of Brian Myers when he first got released, he just looked like a guy that completely didn't belong with a, a big talent pool. But I don't know, maybe it's something about AEW or whatever, or I mean Impact, but like maybe the talent just isn't as strong, but he he stands out a little bit more than he did last time. And I think they've given him better stories. <coughs> Sorry, sneeze. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I think they've given him better stories. So, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I was actually interested in that storyline, and I don't know if it's going to keep going, but um, – it, uh, it it wasn't awful or anything. It was it was fine. And then um, I, I what did I talk about? I, I even said about a month ago that Big Cash should go to Impact, and I think it's a good spot for him. He's in phenomenal shape right now, and uh, they could use a big man. Like I, he I think looks he, enormous in comparison yeah. to those other guys. Crazy. Crazy. Like Joe, like Joe Doran is like six five, and he towers Joe Doran. Crazy. So, like, and, and like, also being in shape matters, and he looks like a beast. Like, he he looks like Edge so much, it's weird. But, um, yeah, I, I thought that that was pretty good. And uh, I just, I feel like Impact's gained a little momentum. I feel like that they're, yes, they are basically AEW's bitch, but, like, they're getting attention. And I guess that that's what they wanted at the end of the day. So, yeah. Um, you can give me your thoughts also on the card if you have anything else to add. Well, I mean, if if y'all want to see my full thoughts, I did a full review show right afterwards uh, on the uh, fightful uh, on the fightful YouTube channel. Um, and this the this yeah the screen was all screwed up. It was in three sixty mode. They wound up that's still available, and they but they did reupload it with the regular feed too as like a separate video. Okay. So y'all can watch that. Um. It was funny too. I was like, I'm gonna give this a shot and just see what five and I was like, oh look, Steven's on there. That's cool. And then I'm like looking at him like, what the hell is going on? So and then I noticed on the corner it said 360 video, and then I was like, that's gotta be it. And then I started to notice that like you could play around and move the screen and all that. I was like, man, this is trippy. It was it was bizarre. Um and you know, there's one one other thing before because we'll talk about well, just a few thoughts before we talk about the main event. And stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Josh uh, Josh Alexander winning the exhibition title, like you mentioned, I, I I love Josh Alexander. I think he's a really good talent, and I, I feel like I kind of feel bad that he's in kind of almost impact purgatory because I think he totally would have also went to AEW if he had the opportunity. Like Ethan. By, by the way, did you know that he and and Ethan Page were a tag team prior before yeah. Impact on yep. Ring of Honor? They had a different name called? and everything. Yeah, they were called something else. I I was like, you know, I've been going through all my wrestling stuff, and I was going through, and I saw both of them on a Ring of Honor show, and I was like, the North was a thing before Impact. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, but, you know, the problem I have with him winning is kind of like you were saying, Ace Austin, I think, is a guy they could build their whole company around if they have him locked down, like, for the foreseeable future. And they hot potato their championships way too often. So, like, there's probably been, like, six X-Division champions in the last year, year and a half. I mean, it's just they're, it's constantly changing. Um, but, you know, the rest of the stuff, like, I actually thought Deanna Perrazzo and Tino Dashwood wasn't – I 
I think it was the best I've probably seen Tennille Dashwood do. Like, I've, I've never been a, the hugest fan of her in ring work. And I do yeah. like Gianna Perrazzo a lot. I think that she's very solid. Um, I thought the Jordan Grace and Rachel Ellering over Fire and Flava, you were messaging me that. I mean, Rachel Ellering, it, I mean, she is a monster out there. Like, she made Jordan yeah. Grace look small, which is, like, pretty impressive. Um, yeah, she's the very tall. And then uh, the big cast thing, I totally agree with also. Like, it was good to see him out there, like, seeing that he's getting another chance. It's like, I don't um, want him in AEW, though. But, like, I, I think Impact really fits. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, yeah. just let him, get his, let him get his redemption on. Let him see how he does. And then take it from there. But, I, I, like I said, I think – and this is, this is, like, the whole thing about the AEW roster that we've been talking about and all that stuff. Like, I think that there's certain guys that will just fit better – in in impact and certain people that fit in AEW, and then it will kind of like just spread out in Ring of Honor, all that, and and all rosters will be strengthened because of it. So yeah. Well, speaking of that, I mean, you had uh, you know, I was really surprised. Speaking of like the rosters and where people are and stuff, Finjuice retaining over the Good Brothers. I did not that see that coming. That was a surprise. Um, and then like you, we talked about pretty much everything else, and there was that that um, eight man match, but that included um. <clears throat> but that included a uh, big cast. So we pretty much did touch on that. So, yeah, I mean, um, there was also one other thing that I think I wanted to mention about the show, but I'm spacing on it. If I remember Maybe again, the anniversary trailer, because that uh, is that, are they trolling us? What are we doing? Because it literally yeah. is every release that's been happened, but why night Naito and Okada, those ones I'm like, that one, that one made me raise my eyebrow a little bit. They did it last year, though, too, when those releases happened from the WWE. Yeah. So, like, they had, like, Hurricane Helms, I think, and stuff. Like, it was, like, Like, I'm that, not you know. marking out about Joe or any of that. Like, I think they're trolling. But why Naito and Okada? And and even Dave Meltzer, back when the Forbidden Door first opened, he basically said Okada will be working Impact. So, like, could we get an Okada-Kenny Omega match at Slammiversary or something like that. Like, I think that would be incredible. Especially if they made Okada dress up like the Green Hornet. That'd be uh, awesome. I, let's not go there, okay? Let's l- make him look legit. I'm let's kidding. Have him, I know. Let's have him scare, Omega scared. But I think that that would be cool mm-hmm. if, like, basically everybody on Impact's roster cannot get the title back, and they have to recruit somebody, and they get Okada, like – I think that would be dope. Yeah, I think that'd be dope too. Um, I saw a couple of people in the chat asking if I have a YouTube. Just I just caught that in my eye. Just so y'all know, I don't I don't really have a channel. I do stuff on like other people's channels often, but if you go on my Twitter, which is fight talk underscore, my link tree and my bio, that that links to everything. Like I do a lot of YouTube video editing and stuff, and I show up on other people's channels and I have like a little channel that has all all the playlists for the stuff that I do that I keep updated. So that's, that's where to go. If you want to want more of my stuff. So thanks for asking y'all, but yeah, dude, the main event, like, I mean, everyone knew Kenny Mike was going to win, right? What do you think about the actual match? I thought it was great, except the two mess ups that they had on the top turnbuckle. I thought both of those were sloppy. I thought Rick Swan looked like he was a little gassed. Uh, That's a, that's a heavy pace. You're going with, with the, the best bout machine. Yeah. Um, one of the spots I love though was the V trigger in front of Eddie Edwards and Willie Mack, and he has the spit coming out, and like he holds his head up against like just 
just a in your face type thing. I didn't under I didn't I thought the two referee thing was stupid. I didn't see the I, I get you know it's two different companies, but I thought it was an interesting dynamic, right? You got like Tony on one side, you got Scott Demore on the other. Like they're both, and I love how the commentator team put over when Kenny won. It was just like, oh god, no! Like that's that's WCW NWO right there. That's what it's just like, oh god, no, not this, you know. So. I thought that that part was pretty cool too. Um, so yeah, it's, it's uh, it's it's it was it was a good match. I would love to see them run that back on a dynamite or something though. Just Rick Swan trying to get a rematch. And and my my biggest concern is now, is, dude. I don't want Omega and Sammy Callahan. Like, don't do that, please. Please, don't tease it. No, but that's what a lot of people think is going to happen, and. I think it should be Moose. The same. I think it should be Omega and Moose. One hundred percent should be Moose, unquestionably. But if Moose is almost done in June, like you got to do that soon, like unless because, Moose is going, unless Moose is going AEW afterwards. Yeah, which could be totally true and could be crazy, and yeah, like this is just getting wacky, man. Like, where's the belts going, and who has what, and it's just it's wild. It's something you never thought you would see. I really wish this would have happened back when Impact was kind of struggling and like Impact and ROH would have kind of merged together. Like I think that would have been so cool. Like their rosters were so stacked. They just weren't getting the audience that they should have and they just needed buzz. Um, But it also goes to show you just how different um, Impact is compared to what it used to be. I mean, it's just a totally different company now. And I really think with fans, like, it would be a good show, you know, weekly. Check it out. And, you know, I'm not saying that it's, it's terrible, but I, I just give me something. Give me some fans. Like, come on. Yeah. But I also, I love Don Callis, man. That guy is cracking me up. Dude, when Kenny won that title, he jumped up and down in the ring like he had won the Super Bowl. Like, it was the most immature, ridiculous celebration he did not care so that part was dope too and he posed with the two titles in the same exact way that okada or that um uh, that um abushi did when he won the the titles finally like the, yeah. with him with him standing out there with his head like it's like the same exact picture basically um, i wonder why why i know well what i was gonna say earlier i remember now it was about and this is a great quote it's a tweet from Joel, Joe Holbert, who works for Fightful, and he's a part of the Distraction podcast with Jeremy Lambert. Um, he tweeted this out earlier today in quotes as, you know, he's making fun of people who would say this, but I thought this was a great tweet. It says, I've only started discussing Impact since AEW got involved with them, but frankly, I don't understand what Impact is gaining from all of this, which is so true, because what he's saying is, all there's all these people out there that are like, I don't understand. Like, why are they doing this? Impact just getting there. I mean, what we guess no one was even talking about impact before this. Yeah. So, so that's what they're gaining. Like that, the, the fact well, what's that what's funny is like when you, when, when you read that tweet out loud, it answers itself. Wait, no, I know, but that, but that's the joke is like, yeah, that's what I'm people, saying. These people, but people are making that argument. They're sitting there going, I don't get what impact. And it's like, but were you watching impact before AEW got involved? Well, no. Okay, well, th- then it worked because you're talking about. Well, and the same thing. It's like, oh, 
I don't order AEW pay-per-views, but I wanted to see who the signee was, and I wanted to see how they were going to pull off that barbed wire explosion match. And then it's like, well, that was dumb. But it's like, the reason you ordered it is because you wanted to see what happened. So, like, it it obviously worked. Um, So, yeah, it's it's pretty wild. Um, But overall, I thought it was a solid show. Um, Kenny as champion is very interesting. I hope that he defends it, you know, at least once or twice a month because otherwise it's like their whole belt doesn't matter. It's going to be a weird show if, like, Kenny only shows up. I mean, he could do the Brock Lesnar thing, though, you know, show up every now and then. Um, It's just weird, though, like, how they're going to treat number one contenders and all that type of stuff. You know what I mean? So it'll be interesting. Yeah. I just got to assume they've got a plan in that. uh... Definitely. And, you know, as far as the actual main event, like the match itself, I'm totally with you as far as those botches off the top. I mean, those, that's just unfortunate. And it's yeah. one of those things that, like, it's worth it, – Kenny Omega's track record, and Rich Swan for that matter as well, their track records are so good that, like, it's – I don't want to compare the two, but it's almost like us talking about the Weidman, Anderson, Silva stuff. For, for Kenny to have two botches off the top rope in one match, like, that never happens. So it's right. just like – just really unfortunate. We've seen him hitting snapdragon suplexes off the top rope before, like, and everyone wound up fine, you know? So it's like, but, you know, the one thing, the one criticism I'll give outside of the botches, which once again, just a freak thing. that's not, not normal for those guys. I, too many V triggers. I know some people disagree, but it's like that, that move is so brutal that I feel like one one or two of those, that's like a finisher. Like you shouldn't be out there hitting it 10 times or whatever. Like, and then Rich Swan, unfortunately, you know, it's like he gets hit with them. Even the ones that you were talking about where he got like drool hanging out of his face, he would like snap out of it and like try to fight back. And it's like, you should be out completely cold if you're getting hit with this stuff. So that's the only criticism I'd have is I'd like them to protect the V trigger a little more. I'd like to see Kenny win matches on dynamite with a V trigger and then just bust out the one wing when he needs it and like establish yeah. it. But that's just, yeah. that's all, that's the only criticism I have. And I obviously I'm very happy to see Kenny win the title. Cause this is what I was calling for when this whole thing, the whole forbidden concept started. I was first thing I said, I was like, Kenny Omega is going to be the impact champion and we're here now. And, so. I, and like, I really – a couple things. I think Kenny has the absolute best knees in wrestling. It looks so believable. He crushes people with them. Uh, it looks it looks awesome. So I agree. They don't need to have a ton. I mean, I think they're just trying to show the heart of a champion and, like, he had to give him so many knees to put him down and all that stuff. But right. I, I think that they did overdo it. Um, and I, I really don't think – that AEW and ROH and Impact, like, I don't th- I don't see it happening. I don't think ROH and them are on good terms. And I really think the next the next one could either be the NWA, which I really don't want to see Omega and all this, but whatever, uh, or um, New Japan. I think that those ones would be the ones that you would kind of put your eye on for yeah. what Kenny is going after next. I'd also, I'd throw out, not not quite as big, but with the news and everything with Vice and whatnot, I'd throw out MLW as a possibility too. Cause, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, Jacob Fought too has been a damn good champion. It's just he's flying under the radar because MLW is, you know, kind of under the radar. But, like, 
Jacob Achu, I think, would be an asset anywhere. Like he's. Do you even, think these guys should be on dynamite too, though? Um, I mean, preferably yes, but but not like, all the time. But like, damn, like give me an Omega Rick Swan match on dynamite for twenty five minutes. Yes, please. Like, oh, I agree. I totally agree. Um, like, not always. He needs to go to Impact. They need to go to him. He's the champ. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and it's interesting to see how it'll kind of work out now, too, because before Impact was always the day before Dynamite, and now it's been flipped. So, you know, that could maybe change some plans, too, potentially, because they were running all, like, the Tony Khan, you know, paid ads, but now that doesn't make sense to do that because Dynamite has already happened by the time Impact airs now. So it's like they have had to change some stuff around because of that, I think. But, dude... I, I I just I want to see Kenny Omega go out and just keep collecting belts. I, I know there's going to be people that are going to disagree with that, think that it's going to get too convoluted. I just feel like we're luckily we're seeing like, and I like that I idea like too. It. Omega I versus Rich Swan, Fighter Fest or Fight for the Fallen, or yeah, or, like or, or or replace Rich Swan with Moose, like we were, like what we were saying. I think that would be an incredible match as well, um, and for totally different reasons. Moose just presents a totally different type of match than Rich Swan does with Kenny. Um, but yeah, have him go out there. I mean, if he wins the MLW title, the NWA title, whatever, like, cause, cause part of the problem is, and I don't want to like speak for people, but I know enough about, uh, how do I put this? Nick, there's a reason we don't see Nick all this anywhere else. I think let's put it that yeah. way. Like yeah. he, like he, I don't think he wants to lose. I think I like, I just, I, I know that sounds very like Markish, but that like, I think they would have and not been. only not only not lose, but like lose to just Omega to come in and just take the belt from his company. I could see him be like completely against that. Yeah, and and I'm not saying he would be unwilling to lose to Omega. I'm just saying I think that I think there have been situations. Once again, I'm just speculating, going based on things I've heard. But like, I think there has been situations where the door had been open to all this being on AEW Dynamite potentially. And the reservations there were him not wanting to lose to certain wrestlers and upholding a certain image as himself as the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. So, once again, don't know if these things are true, but I'm just saying, like, I could I could see that being the case, too, potentially, where, like, some of these people we may not be seeing on Dynamite because they're trying to protect their own championships and their own image and not just make it all about AEW. But at the end of the day, being associated with, M- with AEW is, like, that's really the big, big play here is like if you're MLW or you're NWA or you're one of these smaller companies that primarily streams your content either on YouTube or Fight TV and stuff, like you have an opportunity to be attached to a worldwide company that's on TNT every Wednesday that's drawing numbers that are comparable to Monday Night Raw right now. Like, like you have the, like this, this is such a big win, I think. Even, even if Jacob bought you, went out there and lost to Kenny Omega day one, more yeah. people are going to be talking about MLW that night than anyone's ever talked about MLW in their entire existence because that, that one match happened. You know what I mean? So it's, Agreed. you know. And it's, it's a match that a lot of wrestling fans would want to see. So, hell yeah. It'd be a great match. So, I mean, it, it's, uh, it's uh, I'm all for it. It's just a weird thing. Like, man, the, the possibilities are endless. Like, all we got to do is just get through this pandemic and, and, it's just about it's just gonna get wild. I, I I can't I can't even fathom. Um, so 
a weird thing happened on NXT. Okay. Did I didn't you, watch, did you, but let's see. Have you heard about the diamond mine? Okay, I didn't. I saw your tweet, though, right before we went live. Um, I think that they have some people under contract that people are saying, like, it could be other people, but I know where you're going with this if you want to just go yeah. ahead and lay that down. Yeah, well, so here's a couple of things, too, that I'm going to throw out there, right? So Tessa posted on Twitter of her, like, or not on Twitter, on Instagram, of her, like, in shape, and then she said, ready or not, here I come. And then this video drops, like, the next day on NXT, and... It's not like it's just a diamond, but like to use the diamond emoji on Twitter that she always uses, it's either a troll or she might be coming to NXT. Which, I mean, we've we've given our thoughts extensively on her oh, yeah. on past podcast. But I've, just... I've, read the, I've read the freaking comments on that thing, and I'm just like, oh, my God. Not everybody, though. Some are just like, well, what's wrong with having the best wrestler in the world if from the female division, you know? Yeah. I I mean, I'll say this. I've said, I've said it, you know, before. I do want to see Tessa get another chance. I don't yeah. – I think, I think given her age and the circumstances and all these – like. I'm I'm not excusing potential behavior that she made, but if, if she did, if she was the way that she was and said certain things that she may have said at the age that she was, I feel like you got to give people a chance for redemption. I mean, she's like 21 or something. Like, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, I mean, I know you know what I'm saying because you yep. would make the same argument. So it's like, so I want to see that, Like the other day I saw her post uh, something like uh, happy birthday to Moose. Right. Oh, and it wasn't it wasn't just a happy birthday to Moose. Like it was just like, you know, I love you or whatever. Like it wasn't just like that. And then no response. Moose responds. Love you. Love you to the moon and back girl or something like that. So if he can forgive her, if Sasha can f- forgive her, if if multiple other minorities can forgive her, um, and maybe what has been said is not even true. We don't know. But if if they can, then the wrestling world should should be able to forgive her and give her another chance. Right. And that's what I'm saying is like even if she did say that stuff, like I'm I don't know if I mean I know this is gonna sound insensitive to a lot of people, but I don't know if that's like enough to cancel yourself for your entire life making one mistake like that. Like I'm right, you know, it's just that's just how I feel about it. There has been stuff that I've said and done throughout my life that I would never say and do it that I would have done in my early twenties that I would never do in my thirties. Like just completely completely. I mean, different. and if you hear God, I don't remember who it was. Maybe it was like who hated Hogan. Bret Hart, Bret Hart, mm. um, you know, God, I watched this this uh, YouTube video of literally Bret Hart crapping on every single person for like 25 minutes. It was the funniest thing in the world because, I mean, like he just constantly complains. But he basically said like he hates Hogan, right? And he even said like, you know, it's it's good to see Hogan get what he deserves. But at the same time, we're all lucky that like no one was around the locker rooms back then oh, sure. than when we were, you know? So it's like, 
And then he said basically all the guys from the South, from Texas, from Florida, from all around, definitely said things that people would be really upset with back then. And so it's like all these things that we worship people on and everything, like it, 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 I don't like how everything is just picked and choose. Like it, it's okay if this person said it, cause we'll just ignore that. But if this person says it, like we're going ham on them. Like, and, and, and like I said, the way that it felt with Tessa, it felt like a hit piece. It felt like a bunch of mean girls decided to go after her on her biggest moment because she tried to be a little bit smart, Alec, about her being in that spot. And I think that they took it way too far. And that that's my issue with the whole thing. Did you see the Chelsea Green thing today? Yeah, and that's shady. And And it's okay. And this is my thing is certain people have accused her of being racist. I don't see her hanging around people like Moose. I don't see her hanging around with other people. Like all I see her with is the mean girl, white girl club. Like, honestly, if you want to be truthful about it. And yet she just gets a pass. And what she did to that artist, not only did she take the, the photo, right? But when he asked for credit, she refused to give it to him. She just responded, I deleted it. Then she blocked him. That's where I have the big problem right there. That's where yeah. I have a problem with yeah. it. Because it's like you were in the wrong, and then you had the audacity to block this dude. Even after she said, I delete it, he said, look, you can have it. I don't care. I just want credit for it. And so not only that, then she comes up with a BS statement, right? And that didn't go well. So then she actually finally decides to give this guy his credit. Like – this this isn't a very good person like at the end of the day and like a lot of people have used her as an example of why tessa is bad and it's like dude you know she can look in the mirror like chelsea green is no um example of how to treat people and she wants to call tessa a bully like her character doesn't look the best in my opinion yeah, it was definitely a bad look. And and the girl who so I have a really good friend named Kayla who she's a Kayla Vision on Twitter. Me and her are like friends in real life from living close to each other in Nashville. And so like I know her on like on a personal level, and she's I do consider her a friend of mine. And she's somebody that like me and her have a lot of differences. Like she's a she's a vegetarian or a vegan or whatever. Like yeah. I'm not. Like she's into horror movies. I'm not. Like she's yeah. And like, we're very different people, but we're like really good friends. Like she's very, very nice to me. I'm very nice to her. We hang out with each other and our group of friends after wrestling shows and stuff. Like, you know, it's just kind of the reason I say all this is because we're very different people, but like we're, we get along great. And I saw her getting attacked over her response to Chelsea. And I'm sitting here going, even like trying to be non-biased because she hails my friend thinking like a lot of the time when I see people that I don't align with all the time. Like I can't always defend them. Even though they're my friends, sometimes I'm like, Oh, I don't really agree with what they're saying. What she said today was totally on, on point. Like she was basically saying, I mean, it's like, it took, it took Chelsea green longer to type that apology than just to give the credit. Like, yep. you know, and, in in the problem, I, so as somebody who does, I mean, all my work is, is essentially freelance work. So yep. I know how important it is to get, credited now like i don't always necessarily it's not like the be all end all like there are certain works that i do that i don't get any credit but it's like i'm getting paid a certain amount so it's like i don't really 
I'm really more concerned about getting paid for my work than getting credit for my work. But yeah. but I don't think there's anything disrespectful at all if you're an artist, whether it's a video editor, a graphic designer, um, anything, a vi- anything that's possibly creditable. If you give somebody else your work, well, ha- some people are going to say, well, the trade-off's the money. And I do understand that argument. It's like, you got paid for your work. I don't have to give you credit. But yeah. where I where, where my real problems lie is this guy being nice in the direct messages about it, just asking for credit. She could have easily just said, you know what? I'm not going to give you the credit. I don't, I don't credit the artists that I work with because, but I did pay you what we agreed on. And like, I'd be happy to work with you going forward. Just know that I just don't do that with, and, and it might be, it might sound kind of cruddy, but like at least you've addressed it. And this guy has that expectation going forward. If I keep doing work for Chelsea green, I just know she's not going to be tagging me in my work, but she's still going to pay me what the agreed price is. My yeah. big problem is her just blocking the dude, just, just yeah. deleting it and blocking it. Like, you know what? Screw you. You, it, it, if this guy was attacking her in direct messages and being rude throughout the whole thing, that's one thing. All this guy asked was simply to get credit for the work. He politely asked, and instead of just addressing it, she just deleted it and blocked him. And that's like, you don't treat I people also, like that. I also don't like her response of just, you know, this guy basically wrote her paragraph and she's like, I deleted it. Right. That's it. Like not, oh, hey, I'm sorry for the misunderstanding or whatever. Like just um, let's see if we can work something out or, or you know what, uh, because it's an issue, I didn't really expect that. I'm going to go ahead and delete it. I'm really sorry. You know, something, just something. I deleted it. And then it's like, like you blo- and it was also like you blocked it. So he can't even see your apology. Yep. You know, and I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna tell her, I'm gonna tell her another thing. Like, this ain't the WWE no more. Like, you're not protected. They, the, the mob, the fans. You want to go on a podcast. You want to go and have your own podcast. You want to um, do certain things. Fans are not gonna forget how you treat other fans. They will go after you. They will ratio your stuff. They will give you negative reviews. They will not make this pleasant for you. This is a mob type mentality if they don't like you. And so, in my opinion, you're about to get the tables turned on what you did to Tessa. So enjoy it, you know, at the end of the day. And I mean, honestly, I feel like Matt Cardona has to stand up for her all the time and fight battles because I feel like Matt's a nice guy and I don't think she necessarily is a nice person. So um, I, I just, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a weird situation, but. All I can say is, is if you're not protected by the WWE anymore, you really need to watch what you do because people will not put up with it and they won't let you get away with it. Yeah. I just want to say for the record, I don't know. I don't want to like speculate on like whether or not she's a nice person. I don't know her well enough, but what I will say is this, what I saw today was not the acts of somebody I would want to be friends with. I'll just put it, you know what I mean? Like just in the simplest, most grade school terms, like, I wouldn't, because I know what that would feel like with all, once again, all the work I do is freelance. So I have like invoices that I send to probably five or six different places a month. And if I did a bunch of work for somebody that I felt like I had good rapport with, and they literally just dropped me like a sack of SHIT like that, I'd be like, what? I, I mean, just, I would be so upset about that. Like, yeah, I, I did the agreed upon work for the agreed upon price and you liked it and you used it. And all I did was ask for something that's very, very, very standard. And then you did, then you treated me like I never existed. Cause what, cause the, the, uh, the problem with the mentality there is 
I'm not, I don't want to speak for, but I'm assuming that Chelsea Green figured, I'll block this guy, no one will ever find out about it. At the very yep. worst, a couple of his buddies might get mad about it, but it will never become a thing. She got put on blast about it, and she probably wasn't expecting that. So, yep. um, And then it's like on what culture and everything else, like it's, it's become – because that's another thing too now is there are websites that – love the drama right and they oh, yeah. will gladly post about the drama stuff before any news or anything if 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 randy orton gets in a in an argument with soldier boy or whoever it is like <laughs> they're gonna post about it like yeah. there will not be like a lot of stuff is not gonna go under the radar anymore so um they live for that type of stuff you know and and some of it is just nonsense. Like I'm like, this is really news. This is what we're going to talk about today. Like just garbage. So it's yeah. uh, it's it's a little bit ridiculous. Yeah, I'm with you. And also, just I'll throw this out there too. Just kind of on the not even devil's advocate, but just on the other side of the coin. Also, keep in mind, wrestling fans who you spend a lot of their time on Twitter. It's also okay to like have other hobbies and like, you know what I mean? Some of this stuff, I just feel like it's certain times, like it's, it's warranted, but also it's, it's like, I, it's hard for me to get on Twitter and stay. I know it's like politically it's even worse, but like just being a wrestling fan, I feel like every day, once again, sometimes it's warranted. Like today, I'm glad that Chelsea Green got called out on that because like, I, I would want to know because I could potentially one day be doing video editing for her or something. And like, I want to know that she operates that way. So like, but, but I feel like every day it's like you put on Twitter or you, you open Twitter and it's just like, what's everyone outraged about today? Like, it's like, you know, yep. no matter what day it is, there's so, the people are going after somebody every day. And I would just strongly encourage for anybody who gets like really, really worked up about this stuff. Like we luckily for me and, and Doug and others, like we have these outlets where we can just like talk about it with other wrestling fans. And that's the way that I get it off my chest. I don't even think about it again until, you know, the next week or whatever, but I know not everybody has that luxury. So I would just recommend like, if this is something you get really worked up on every day and you just can't snap out, find some hobbies, like, please, like I'm telling yeah. you, I can't tell you how helpful it's been for me just picking golf back up again recently, just going to the driving range once a week, just going and just hitting golf balls once a day. It just takes your mind off everything. You know what I mean? The weather's getting good. Go get yourself a kayak. Like the be all end all isn't the the professional wrestling business. As much as we feel like it is sometimes it's like, I just want to throw that out there too. If you ever catch yourself getting like way too upset about this stuff, there's probably some hobbies out there that you're going to really, really enjoy more than like caring about wrestling all the time. So yeah. And, a couple other things too, like really be careful what you say to the wrestlers itself because they might suck right now, but then later on they can become AEW stars and you just have no idea. And yeah, sometimes you might be upset and say stuff, but you can get blocked. They will absolutely block you. Um, and a lot of them vanity search, a lot of them vanity search. So if you, uh, really, you know, um, feel a certain way sometimes it's not best to always vocalize it because it can backfire like i've been blocked by sean spears uh and i didn't even tag him but he vanity searched i've been blocked by natty because she vanity searched and natty's a nice person i have nothing against natty i just said that she's a bad actress that's that's what i said i was like man you know on raw like some of these segments with natty are really bad she's not the best actress or something like that and she blocked me for it so some of them are very sensitive. 
And you just have to really be careful of what you post. Um, and I agreed, like, so one of the things that I've done is, like, I've just been in this room so much. Like, I work from home every other week. I'm in this room when we do streaming. Uh, I have all sorts of video files that I like to edit and do stuff with and put on my iTunes accounts to watch on my TV. And it's just like, man, like I have to get a break out of this room sometimes. So I watched a lot of like TVs, movies, things like that, um, that were, they just were going to be good for escape sort of, um, let's mortal Kombat was trash. So that didn't help. (laughs) My brother said, I haven't watched it. My brother said the same thing, though. I told you when we were talking uh, in our messages. Yeah. I mean, dude, it's it's bad. It's bad. I, you know, like, I know a lot of people are excited that they had legit fatalities and gore and all that. But, like, holy B-rated movie. Like, this this thing is, is, is it's bad. Um, and I'm getting really concerned about how bad movies have gotten. And if you looked at the Oscars, like they went from 29 million viewers last year to nine. Nice. They lost 60% of their audience. I love hearing that. But that's what's happening, man. It's like Hollywood is dying. People are tired of these celebrities preaching to them and acting like they're holier than thou. And it's like, People, there's people that rather watch YouTube. There's people that like there. There's way more relevant people in, in in other people's eyes that they don't they don't think these people are cool anymore. And it's like, and then you're gonna produce nothing but garbage. And then you're gonna have quotas that have to have so many minorities star in a movie for it to even be an option as a best picture. Well, guess what happens? For whatever reason. Hollywood loves to have miserable movies with minorities. They don't want to have good, uplifting, enjoyable movies with minorities. It's all about doom and gloom and tragedy and sadness. So I don't want to watch those movies. I watch movies to escape. And like literally, if you look at the best pictures, like it's all miserable, doom and gloom, tragedy, garbage, and nobody wants to watch. So I'm just disappointed. Like there's been really hardly any good movies. There's nothing to really look forward to. And movies have been such a huge part of my life. So it's just disappointing. I I also watched Falcon and the winter soldier. I didn't think that was that good. Um, That the Disney plus TV series, it wasn't that good. So that's two Disney plus TV series that they've kind of struck out on because WandaVision was okay, but I didn't think it was great. Um, when are, so when, are you gotta, get, when are you gonna when are you gonna get to what matters here? Let's, let's, so so okay. listen, we we get to that, but I'm a little nervous because I like I see like the top ten streaming stuff and like Mighty Ducks is not on there, so like I don't know how successful this is being. Don't um, care as long as we get all ten episodes. Don't care yeah. who else is watching it. This I, this was made for me. <laughs> we're getting ten, but I just don't know how much further it goes. Uh, so enjoy it while it lasts, Stephen. I am. Um, I am. But. And I hate to break it to you, but it is not Thursday, so it will not be on tonight in a I know. couple hours. I thought about that right before I went live. <laughs> I was like, because I was already planning out my trip. To you you might not make it till two in the morning no more. I don't know. You I don't know. I well, this um, week I'm going to because I watched that yeah. sneak peek, and like this is like this is what I've been waiting for. So saw oh. Banks, saw Banks yeah. there too. I was there. like, oh, Banks is there. It's awesome, dude. They're like, I can't speak much about the movies because I don't. 
I don't care. Like, I just don't watch movies really hardly anymore. I, I, I watch a lot of documentaries. Like, I like watching Netflix docs and that kind of stuff or rewatching shows that I was a fan of before. So that side of it, I don't really care so much. Like, I feel like they're just rehashing old movies anyways over and over again that I either had seen or didn't care about when the original was out. The Mortal yeah. Kombat thing is a little disappointing because I did love the 95 movie and I played the video games. Uh, but from what I'm hearing, I might as well just leave it at that and not bother with this new, because that's a big thing for me too, is investing like an hour and a half, two hours or whatever into something that I feel like I'm not going to really like going into it anyway. Did your brother tell you the plot? Um, well, I know that it, like, it wasn't a tournament and I know that like the act, I, apparently the actual story was really lame and the fight scenes weren't that long from what he was saying. So it just, I don't know what the actual story was. I, as if we're talking, I'd rather just talk about the Mighty Ducks, to be honest. But <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say a couple of things so you can kind of understand okay. why it's lame. So, like, okay, spoiler alert: if you haven't seen Mortal Kombat, like, mute this or whatever. Um, I'm not going to tell the whole movie, but I'll talk about the beginning for the most part. So, like, it starts off like this old man or whatever is got like a wife and kids. And, um, and, and, uh, he goes off to like, you know, the farm or whatever, and he starts to hear screams and he comes back and his kid and his wife are like frozen. Right. Mm, And zero sub zero. Right. And he basically has killed his family except a baby that was hidden. Okay. Mm. And they fight and, if this guy is going to be Scorpion, right? Right. And Sub-Zero ends up killing him. And then the guy leaves and he thinks he's destroyed the bloodline. Well, Raiden comes and takes this kid who is like not a Mortal Kombat character at all. And he is transported to the future. And he's now like this broke down cage fighter, Right. Like he, mm-hmm. in MMA, he gets his ass kicked. He's some broke down cage fighter. And then like all of a sudden he realizes that he has like a Mortal Kombat tattoo. Oh God. And so it, it gives him his power, but they have to learn how to use it. Mm-hmm. Well, Sonya has it. Kano has it. Jax has it. Well, Sonya doesn't have it actually, but she's with the group. And they basically just go to the outer world with Raiden. Right. And, they just like fight, but like there's no tournament. It's just one big fight, and then like it kind of goes back to the house, and like Goro follows the 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 um the cage fighter, and then the guy like has this like he learns how to use his symbol, and he becomes like this golden armor guy that all of a sudden can beat Goro, and it's just it's bad man it's really bad and and it goes down like like i said just one by one and they have their fatalities but there's no like actual tournament like that was what was so cool about mortal Kombat was it was one-on-one whoever had beef or whatever but this is just like it's just some big giant fight well, and, i heard that i heard but, they made uh i heard they made Liu kang like a total jabroni in this one too yeah yeah. My brother Total mentioned jabroni. that. Like, my brother brought that up. He was like, who was the main guy from the first one? I was like, Liu Kang. He's the like, worst is Cabal. Like, he literally sounds like a, almost like a surfer dude. Like, yeah, man, <laughs> you're next. Let's go. 
And it, 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 it reminded me of like someone that you would see maybe in like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And yet it's Mortal Kombat, like bad. Like that's yeah. it. Honestly, if I could, if I could put it in any way that would make kind of sense to you is it's like, it's like Mortal Kombat meets Power Rangers. Like that's kind of what it is. So like the bad acting, the cheesiness. <laughs> Which you just like, described sounded pretty good. <laughs> listen, listen. That's because you're attached to the Power Rangers, but like that same type of concept of like bad acting, cheesiness mixed with fatalities. Yeah, that's, I that's kind of what it is. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it sounds terrible. I'm not going to watch it still. So Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. Now, we want to talk about something that's good real quick. We've gone a little over two hours. It's probably a good topic to, to wrap up on. Um, hey, guys, Super Chats, donations, all that good stuff. We'll make sure to For still sure. answer your questions and all that. If you have anything one, you want one to... More, one more thing, too. Um, I wanted to talk about the Rowdy Piper uh, biography. So did you really realize, like, the history of WrestleMania 1 and, like, what it what it how it all really started? So I haven't watched that documentary yet, but, like, I mean, not really outside of knowing that, like, Roddy Piper was, like, I think at the time, Roddy Piper was almost as big of a draw, like, to see Hogan beat him up than, like, that probably gets lost to time a little but bit. But do you like, know why he got the heel heat he got? I I don't know. So he kicked Cindy Lauper in, like, the head. Oh, right. Yeah, the whole MTV rock and wrestling thing. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, Cindy was such a big star back then. And it, it was just, like, people were so disgusted with Roddy Piper that he would actually attack Cindy Lauper. And, like, it, Mr. T comes to defend her, but then Hogan comes, and it, like, sets the place on fire. So, like, that that's really kind of what started it all was, like, how big Cindy Lauper was, how Vince used Cindy Lauper in the whole thing, and how Piper got heat for beating on Cindy Lauper. Like, so, and, and then she would always like promote it like, I'm going to get somebody to get revenge on you. You're going to get yours. And that's like with Hogan or whatever. And then he refused to job in it. And Hogan had to beat Cowboy Bob Orton. But I mean, it sounds um, a lot like, I mean, in a much different time, but I mean, it sounds pretty similar to the whole bad bunny situation from like recently like a big star they brought in they tried to make it a whole thing like i mean does that not sound the same to you uh, a little bit different because cindy lopper was like a defenseless woman and bad bunny could kind of like fight for his pride i guess you would say i guess i mean he looked pretty unassuming he did great in the match but like right I mean, he looked pretty but like he punched him in the face in the build-up like he it was like he was never really like afraid of these guys like, yeah this is like Bob Orton and, and Roddy Piper like tormenting this poor girl. True, true. And I know that so, MTV was humongous at the time. Like I know it was a totally different time. I, I and then I another that. thing I didn't know about Piper was in like in the NWA, he was literally just brought in to be like a broadcaster, like a Sean Mooney type. But mm-hmm. he was such a smartass, and like he got people pissed off. And then they found out later on that he could actually fight. So like when they, by the time that they actually broke and wanted to fight him, he like actually fought them in the ring. And then that really set him off to get his heel heat. Nice. So, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to definitely watch that documentary probably like actually either after this or sometime tomorrow. Did they mention dude, Sunday? 
The Macho Man. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely watch that. Yeah, yeah dude. It looks like the it looks like they interview Gorgeous George. Like, like what up, Mach era, gorgeous, yes. like the woman, really? Yes. So I'm, I'm very curious what she has to say because that was a crazy time in his life at that moment. So, um, and she has she said some wild crap too, basically saying that like the stuff between Stephanie and Macho Man is actually true, and Randy told her on a beach and stuff like that. So like, but Vince does talk about Randy in this documentary. So it's going to be really interesting. Yeah. Finally. Finally. Um, And you know, what's funny too is the, the A&E biography has the ultimate warrior and it has dark side of the ring. Ultimate warrior. Like they're going to have both. Like how different are those going to be for real? That'll be good. I mean, I've, I've really enjoyed the A&E stuff so far. You know, the only, the only negative I have at all with any of this, like the, uh, was just that I knew all this Steve Austin stuff like already, but like it was a really yeah. well done. It was really well done, especially if you didn't know that stuff. It would be it would be great. Um, and then there's that hidden treasure show that I think is a really great concept that we've talked about. Like I, it's I think fantastic. It's, yeah, I, I, I and watched it's right after. So like it, 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 you literally got to dedicate basically three hours of your time to watch this stuff, but it's really good quality stuff. This this coming week is Jerry the King Lawler. That'll be interesting. Trying to probably find like his Memphis like king. Probably like he's got I some think crown he's looking or something. for the original robe and crown that he arrived on Raw with in '94. So I think that's what they're looking for. Yeah, that that would make sense. That was crazy about Taker and his storage and all what he had in there. Did you see that? Yeah, and I don't know if they just cut out like the negotiating part of that, but like the way that they made it seem was that the Undertaker just gave it to him. Like it mattered. Yeah, like I think just, that's basically what happened. Yeah, I think I think when you're dealing with a fan, it's different. But like when you're dealing with uh, the Undertaker and you know Vince wants it, it's kind of like okay, no problem. Well, he, it's either going to stay in my storage or it's going to be in like a museum for the WWE. You know. Yeah, and it's also like, I mean, he's still gonna like the Undertaker is a guy who's gonna be on their payroll years Forever. beyond, yeah, him ever competing. So I mean, like, Forever. he's still getting paid by the company. He's not gonna be nickel and diamond Vincent Man when he's still getting paid. Pro- like Shawn Michaels was getting like seven hundred fifty thousand dollars a year for four years just so he wouldn't go to WCW. Like, you know how crazy that is too. As wild as Shawn was back then, like you would have had to been worried that he was going to use all that money on drugs and <laughs> and like not know if he was going to be okay. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's a that's a wild uh, that's a wild thing. But yeah, yeah it was uh, it was really good. What did you think about that guy that basically held them up for the Cactus Jack jacket? The one who got the the bar wire two by four yeah. and twenty five hundred. Um, I like if you were in his position, and Mick Foley is coming to your house and saying like, "Hey man, I really need that back," and he's, they're going to offer you money. Like, I'd give it to him. Like, so I'm not here, here to haggle the guy that gave me all this performance and memories and moments. Yeah. My it for me, there's two ways I look at it, and it would just be two different scenarios. So basically, the first one would be it depends on how much I paid for it, right? Like if I like bought yeah. it like at an auction, and it's like I'd have to at least be able to justify. But if it was like 
if I went to like a baseball game and caught, you know, Mark McGuire's record setting baseball in the crowd, I would just give yeah. it to him. Yeah. I like, I wouldn't like, cause that's his, you know, I just happen to be yeah. the one who caught it, but right. like, but that, that that's, still would give you something for it just to be cool about pro- it. But like, probably, but like, I would just feel better about myself just because I know right. if I was in those shoes. I would like, I would appreciate a fan giving me something I've worked my entire life for. Yeah. Um, but but like but if I paid ten grand for that ball, I'd I have to be like grand back. I, I, exactly. Um, Which I mean, they were offering him a good amount of money. It wasn't like they were just offering him nothing. He still was just like, what what I hated when he said is like, if I give you that, then like my Mick Foley collection is not going to be as complete. And it's like, it takes a big hit or something. And I'm like, yeah. dude, you are talking to Mick Foley. Like, what is wrong with you? You know? Especially after that first guy was just like, if you just like hang out with me and my you. kid, just hang yeah. out with me and my kids, like, yeah. We'll watch yeah. Foley matches, like, yeah, like, you know, like, it's just, that I, that guy rubbed me the wrong way. I thought he was a little bit ridiculous. Um, and then what, it, I, I thought the way that they handled the Paul Bear urn was pretty cool. They gave him another urn, so it's, it's still an official urn, and they gave him the jacket that Paul Bear used to wear. Because you could tell that that guy had a pretty, pretty, pretty big attachment to that thing. Like it meant a lot to him. Well, and I thought it was a great trade off because that that urn that they traded for was just sitting in like a morticianer. I don't know what you call it. A, a morticianer's yeah. like uh, almost like a museum looking spot, but yep, mortician. So to most to to ninety nine point nine 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 percent of people that go through that place, they're just gonna see an undertaker urn. Like they're not gonna yep. be like this urn versus this urn with a yep. betrayal urn. So like as far as like the perception for people going through there, as far as it being a draw to bring people into that place, because that's what they were concerned about was like business dropping because they didn't have it anymore, their business won't won't take a, a single hit whatsoever because they still have an undertaker urn, which is that draw. So, yeah. and then, and then on top of it, like you said, he, they got the suit. And and I will say this too, about the other guy, the one who like the money guy with, with Foley's flannel. I do think it was pretty cool that, because like for the WWE, I doubt they care that much about that barbed wire two by four because yeah. he had a lot of different weapons throughout the years. So right. like, so to the WWE, that's really not a whole lot for them. And they're really only at $25. Like they can make another barbed wire two by four, like in five right. seconds. You know what I mean? So it's like, um, so I think it was a good trade for the WWE and a good trade for him because it's like, you still get $2,500 cash. So you feel like you're still winning a little bit and you get to display this, this two by four where the flannel was. So, you yeah, know, it's a very tough piece to get. Like that's yeah, not an easy piece. So. For sure. I'm just saying it's something that can be like, you know what I'm saying? Like anybody can make a barbed wire two by four. You know, the WWE, if they really wanted like a fully prop somewhere, they could just put another barbed wire two by four together if they really wanted to. No one would really yeah. know the difference. But yeah. yeah. No, I, I think it's a very cool concept. I like the show a lot. And I like I like how Triple H is involved too, and then and Stephanie. And then like they also go through their career. What it means like I had no idea about Kane's persona how it was kind of similar to Kane back then like I had no idea about any of that character so I thought that was cool yeah it was cool they explained like because I knew he was called the Unibomb but I didn't know what he looked like and they explained it where you know Cornette when Cornette was in charge of their well what was Smoky Mountain but it was Jim Cornette's company that what they were doing was literal and you know this from watching the show but like 
I didn't realize that they were literally like that was a, a straight up test to be like, okay, this is kind of what the cane thing could look like. This is yep. kind of, so it's like I didn't I didn't realize that they were basically testing characters out like before they really made final decisions on like what they were going to look like. And also another thing that I thought was really interesting was I didn't know that the original like the mask for mankind was originally a concept for the undertaker yeah. and Vince McMahon just loved the idea of the look with that mask. And that's how fully wound up getting that gig was he needed somebody to fit that character. Cause they had the mask already. Right. So pretty cool. Yeah. There was, there's a lot of cool like Easter eggs and things like that, that I think is definitely cool. Um, you know, like I said, mixed with the biography show, like it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. So and then, like like I said, you get Dark Side of the Ring 2 coming up. Like, that's a lot of really good wrestling information documentaries that are they're really good. So I definitely recommend uh, the Sunday viewing and the Thursday viewing and all that stuff. It's going to be good stuff. Um, man, I, I'll tell you what. Like, this Dynamite, it's going to be good. But, man, I'm going to be hyped for Blood and Guts. That That thing is it's going to be awesome. Like I really feel like that could be a big momentum shifting game changing, like ratings and everything. I, I really hope that they do well on that show. So do I Cinco de Mayo. Yeah. It'd be a, it'd be a good one. I mean, I'm obviously I'm very, very pro AEW. I want to see them succeed. So I'm hoping, right. I'm hoping it's good. I mean, I, I, I have no reason to think that it won't be, I, I shouldn't say that. The only reservation I have was that failed explosion. That's like yep. that, that. There's still like that's going to be in the back well, of my mind. Any time that you have a gimmick match, it just you don't want it to be too gimmicky, and then it comes across looking cheesy and dumb. And like, don't 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 get too crazy. Don't get too cute. Do some cool stuff. Um, but you know, be smart about it. I don't want yeah. like. Matt Hardy landing on his head type incident to one of the guys. And one guy's like completely knocked out cold. And then like they have to rush it or, you know, like just go out there, have a match, deliver the best you can. And, you know, don't get too hokey with it. Yeah. I I think if they tell a good story and the match is good, I think people are going to tune in. So it's like, I, I, yeah, I, 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 I'm just really interested to see them do it because there's been a lot of, you know, we were supposed to get this like a year ago with yep. completely different people. So like this, this is something that AEW has been wanting to do very badly, clearly. And <clears throat> I'd assume they have a lot of different ideas and there's a lot of great talent that's going to be in that match. So like, I'm, I mean, I, I am very much looking forward to it and I mean, the expectations are going to be really high. People are going to want a good match and people are going to expect to see a big rating. So we'll, uh, We'll see, but I'm 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 optimistic going into it for sure. Yeah, for sure. All right, man. Well, I think that wraps it up. If you guys um, can still in here, give us a like on this video. Um, share this thing out. Uh, you know, spread the word that we've been doing this for a while now. That we're now on Tuesdays. Um, like I said. It wouldn't hurt if you do follow me to post this link on Twitter and just share it out and and just try to spread the word and get our names out there as much as you can. And I I really appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll catch you guys next Tuesday. And hopefully my team either drafts Patrick Sertain or J.C. Horn, one or the other. Skull Vikings.
<laughs> and watch Mighty Ducks Game Changers. Yeah, absolutely. Quack, quack, quack.